listening to the Legendary Wrestling Obsession Podcast with your hosts, Corey Draper and Jeff Hughes. What a bastard! Didn't know what happened to him there. My word, Anderson can't believe that he's beside himself with anger. And Tully Blanchard is beside himself almost unconscious. Good down-home cheating. Good down-home good down cheating. Sure. Welcome to World Class Championship Wrestling. Tonight, Wrestling Star Wars Reunion Arena in downtown Dallas and championship wrestlers all the way. Welcome to another week of the Legendary Wrestling Obsession podcast. I'm Corey Draper here with Jeff Hughes. That's right. And we are headed to World Class Championship Wrestling. And we're going even back further in time. That's right. We're, we're in an uncomfortable territory. <laughs> it's before 1985. How did this happen? What the hell? Uncomfortable? I'm just kidding. As far as like less familiar. Yes. Right. Uh, we don't. Uh, these guys in 82 and unknown to me. Yeah. <laughs> Not looking at magazines in 82. That's for sure. That's right. I had no idea. This is pretty good stuff. There's a lot of things that we, a lot of people that we will become very familiar with as they, uh, you know, make their way through their careers. I have to say that the theme song for the show, it gets me. Like, I, it's not something I grew up with, and I probably only heard it for the first time like eight or ten years ago, but like within seconds of hearing it for the first time, it kind of had that Coliseum video, you know, intro music kind of like special place. Right. Well, it sounds a bit like Ric Flair's theme, and yeah, it yeah. does. Dum, rem- da, 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 dum, you, yeah. Da, da, dum, da, it's got da, dum. that, that uh, big orchestral feel with the driving drums and everything. It's not rock and roll, but it's... yeah. It moves you. And as we start to look at the material around here, and, and there's the storylines, we're really trying to focus on one night, and that's this 1982 Christmas edition, Christmas Star Wars, happened literally on December 25th, 1982, Reunion Arena, which is the big arena in Dallas. Of course, most of the wrestling took place at the Sportatorium, which is this really iconic venue that, by all accounts, is a piece of shit, as far as, like, you know, it sucked in there, the air quality, like, it got hot in the summer, but it looked great on TV. You know what I mean? Like, it was, like, it was uncomfortable to sit in, but it was, like, on TV, everything looked great. Right. And now this is a... An arena show. There's Star Wars and stuff. Would they would use you know because they didn't need a, they didn't need huge venues all the time. But well, but I don't know what their weekly show looked like. It was more of a studio show. The Sportatorium is a smaller a smaller venue that yeah. looks you know more like your studio wrestling. Okay, so we're at some we're the Star Wars card. Where is it? Where is it anyway? Reunion Arena in Dallas. Okay. Yeah. So they had started running the Star Wars cards. I guess in 1981 they'd run three or four of them a year. There was one. At the end of the summer of 1982, in August, I believe, that would tie a lot into this. So we've got a Carrie and Flair fighting then, in the first time they have a title match, not the first time, but then the title match that leads up to this title match that we're going to have tonight. And the other interesting thing is that Papa Fritz, his big retirement match is against King Kong Bundy at the summer Star Wars card. And there's like a haircut stipulation. So we go from Bundy with hair to Bundy with no hair. Against Fritz. Yeah. Oh, he shaved. Uh, okay. That's right. Fritz right. is responsible for, for that, you know, that look. Ah, well, that's exactly. funny. Well, when we get to a match later, 
among the misinformation we get from the TV guy making the calls is that Kevin got his hair, or he, <laughs> he, he makes a vague reference to it. So I was going to oh, say, maybe he did I'm, get his head cut at some point. Well, I think you're probably more likely to be accurate because this guy makes several other questionable calls. <laughs> So uh, I was, you know, going to say that he purports that Kevin got the belt from Bundy. Bundy lost his hair and the belt. But the, the guy didn't iterate that Fritz was responsible for taking Bundy's hair. Right. Okay. Well, Either way, it was permanent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These right. were some super scissors or, you know, super shaver because he's well, never. Did, didn't we see Boom Boom Bundy with some hair, though, in the AWA, which would have think... been after this? Or... No, I think he was bald, but I don't remember because okay. I was very far away. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Okay, before we get too far into things, we just want to pause for a moment and just recognize the fact that we're in new territory, new ground, world-class championship wrestling, deep south. We Texas. are in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> and that, the, that's the end of the actual Star Wars tie-in because yeah. Yeah, otherwise there's no reference to movies and lightsabers or anything. That's right. So basically, we're going to keep this really brief. We're not here to do the history of like Dallas wrestling. There are a ton of books and podcasts out there that cover this extensively. My good friends at the the Laps Fan have did an awesome job trying to cover world class championship wrestling. They went really deep into the history of Fritz and his career and all those things. We're also not here to dwell in the pain and tragedy of world class championship wrestling, which is plenty of. So we're here to just celebrate, you know, the the glory period from 1981 to 1985, specifically this one night in 1982, one nice Christmas night. But we will just very briefly kind of look at, you know, how they got here, sort of. So Fritz von Erich was like the wrestling character. The the man was Jack Atkinson, and he uh, was trained by Stu Hart. Oh. Yeah. Jack Atkinson. That's yeah. the real name. That's his real the, name, the, the, yeah. The von Erich lineage. That's right. And so he wrestled. He had a long career, and he was brought in and trained, and he was partnered with uh, his kayfabe brother, so fake, fake brother, Waldo von Erich, and he became Fritz von Erich. And they basically were this, you know, brutal, vicious Nazi heel team for, for a long time. And he he had a lot of big moments. He almost got the NWA belt. He ended up putting himself in a lot of position uh, for a lot of power. In 1963, he actually won both versions of the AWA World Championship. Both versions? Yes. So when they split or wait? There's sort of this other, mean? I'd have to look it back up again. I know this information, but it's escaping my brain at the moment. But there's sort of like a secondary AWA World title that would be held by somebody else and then at the same time that like, you know, Vern would have the title or whatever. It was okay, weird. I gotta say that's uh first time I'm hearing that. Yeah, yeah. It's wow. a bit, bit strange. What the heck? But yeah, he put it together and there was a there was a stretch there where Vern, after having the belt for a long time, there was about a year, year and a half where like a whole bunch of other people had the belt. Like Mad Dog had the belt several times and other people had the belt and Fritz was one of these guys that got in on that. So he's an AWA champion. And Fritz spent a lot of time in St. Louis, and uh, Sam Muchnick, the, the promoter there, was a big part of sort of backing him. So in the late 60s, he becomes the promoter for Dallas, that's Fritz von Erich, and kind of takes over that uh, that area. And as we'll see, the, you know, makes big changes. And he's one of the people that does it make, he sets himself up to try to make an attempt in the early 80s to do the national expansion. He just doesn't quite have the everything, all the tools, let's say, that Vince McMahon had. But he's there's those moments. There's there's a brief window of time when he seems like he's got the stars and he's got like the, he's got the, the production. He's got a better TV production than even WWF did at that time, and all this stuff. It was all coming together for him. So Southwest Sports, which we'll see that in the if you look at the credits, that's the name of the production company. Let's say 
Uh, so this Dallas area, this is what was confusing to me. They referred to this wrestling area from 1966 to 1981 as big time wrestling. But that's also what they called wrestling in Detroit, big time wrestling. So it was always like, I kind of thought they were the same thing or, or whatever. So it was very confusing for me, but they're not. Those are two separate companies. And that's when in 1981-82, they would change, they put in the name change to World Class Championship Wrestling, and that was an attempt to sort of broaden their appeal and to make themselves more, you know, more national, more international. So in the 70s, World Class was called Big Time Wrestling? That's right, yeah. And then there was this Detroit thing called Big Time Wrestling? Yeah, the original Sheik and, and, you know, Big Time Wrestling out of of Detroit. Oh. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm learning some stuff. (laughs) There you go. So, and as I already mentioned, in 1982, there's this retirement match against Bundy at one of their uh, stadium cards in the summer. I guess it was technically a Star Wars card, but it was- With the Perma Razor. Perma Razor. <laughs> That's what they, aha, finally. This is where they, get, they had a lightsaber, and they That's just right. burned that shit right <laughs> That's off. That's right. The eyebrows never came back. <laughs> That's right. There's the Star Wars, finally. <laughs> okay, so- this card has several matches, but there's four matches that, that aired on TV that survive, let's say, that are, you know, I, I didn't bother trying to even see if the individual matches are online. They're not as exciting, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I was praying for a Wookiee run-in the whole time. That's right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, didn't get it, didn't get it. I can do it, I can do it. <laughs> no. I need some water, need some water. Need some, need some edits, need some edits, need some water. Joey, need you. <laughs> that was the worst. <laughs> I might have to put this. Might have to do some <laughs> sound editing. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> we'll, cl- we'll clip in the real chewy. <laughs> no, not dark enough. <laughs> not deep enough. <laughs> Is that like a baby Wookie from the Christmas Star Wars special? <laughs> I haven't done this in years. <laughs> oh boy, we'll have to try later and edit in some Wookie run-ins. But wait, I have a story about meeting George Lucas. Okay, let's hear it. So I used to work at the Hard Rock Express in London. I was a busboy clearing dishes, and suddenly there's George Lucas. Now, here's the thing. This was before the prequels. Okay, yeah. And so at this point, Star Wars still had its luster. Nowadays, there's there's a lot of Star Wars content, so you've got to sh- sift through it to get the gold, in my opinion. But anyway, I made the mistake of speaking to him, and it did not oh, go. No. <laughs> it didn't go well. Oh, man. He, he, you know, and, and also, you know, I made it pretty brief, but uh, I, I would now say that it was a look of contempt. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah, he yeah. just didn't want me bothering him. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, I kept it pretty brief. You know, it was, um, I went away fairly quickly, but there were no smiles. There were no autographs. There weren't, uh, you know, yeah. any, any warm, cozy, fuzzy feelings. So uh, I kind of wished I hadn't uh, said anything. That's right, <laughs> old George. But uh, yeah, the only one of the few things that I think I can heartily recommend after the original trilogy are the cartoons by Gendy Tartakovsky, who did Dexter's Laboratory. So he did a really cool series of cartoons. They were like fifteen-minute episodes or twelve, I guess. They were even shorter than that. They got stitched together. I think they were like two and three minutes when they originally aired on the Cartoon Network. But the whole thing together adds up to like an hour or half an hour or something. Well, they call it Clone Wars. Uh, there's Not a- to be confused with a really long running animated series called The Clone Wars. <laughs> Absolutely. So check that out. And it's, you know, some of the stuff is like without dialogue. It's like yeah, heart stopping. It, yeah, it has two seasons, right? And I think the second season comes out between episode yeah. one and two of the prequels. That's right. 
That's right. And it's, you know, it's wonderful. It's as good as Star Wars gets. It was made, yeah, it was made independently from sort of Lucas and Star Wars, but it ended up getting the blessing of, you know, the the second season, uh, Lucas fed them information, you know, like, uh, so that they could, they could introduce characters like General Grievous. Oh man, the introduction of General Grievous is as, it's fucking brilliant. Yeah. really good so check that stuff out if you have access to the disney network it's there under the the animated section you can just go through it and find it yeah oh good i was about to get a buzzer and say you can't get it under disney (laughs) no you can (laughs) good we actually had the i got the dvds i can't remember how i got the dvds right yeah we loved it we watched it over and over trouble is now you uh watch anything on dvd and it's noticeably lower quality than your hd tv usually you know I'm not sure how this particular cartoon, but shadows look terrible now on DVDs. They're right, really pixelated. Yeah. And, uh, right. Anyway, so there we go. We had to talk about Star Wars. <laughs> right. As I said, as, I, as I've taken in the content from these world-class championship wrestling, especially these Star Wars events, I've heard a lot of people talk about sort of the disputed order that some of these matches appeared in. So, And as I said, we're not going to go in the order 100% that they were presented to us. And if you're watching on the network, there's one order. If you're watching on the YouTube video we found, there's a different order. But whatever. We're going to go in the order we want to go in. So in 1982, World Class Championship Wrestling had the foresight to see that there was a need, a want, an opening for a six-man World Tag Team Championship. So they did a tournament. And I won't pretend that we looked into all the information of all the teams that were in the tournament, but we did catch a interview from Gary Hart, who's a great manager from World Class Championship Wrestling, and he's being interviewed with three of his charges, the great, fabulous Kabuki, he actually referred to him as there, uh, Magic Dragon, and a guy that I had never heard of before this week, the Checkmate. (laughs) Right, well... You may as well call him the fabulous checkmate. What's all this fabulous? Everybody's fabulous around here. The fabulous Freebirds, yeah, fabulous thought, Kabuki. I always thought Kabuki was the great Kabuki, but hey, yeah. whatever. Well, they're going to announce Kevin as fabulous later. So okay. they got to <laughs> cramp down on all this fabulous. Can't everybody, everybody can't be fabulous. <laughs> fabulous ones <laughs> are like, no, we're not coming down there. It's, it's, so it's pretty fun in the middle of the interview of Gary Hart talking about how his men are going to win this tournament because this is airing on a, a syndicated show from, let's say, a couple of weeks before the Star Wars card. And he gets interrupted by a former m- man that he used to manage, King Kong Bundy. Yeah, it's odd. A bunch of heels get brushed aside by a bigger bunch of heels. <laughs> That's right. Without a, uh, you know, without a fuss, they just like yeah, leave. They step away. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Gary Hart gets basically completely overtaken and the, the mic is grabbed and, you know, he takes it in stride. He's like, I can't lose either way, you know. <laughs> but as far as I know, yeah, he no longer, Bundy has separated from Gary Hart. Right. But the other two men he's with are still managed by Gary Hart. <laughs> odd. Yeah. like Bundy's... That is very strange. Bundy's yeah. still a heel, and he's yeah. like parting ways with the heel manager, yeah. but he's not turning face. Like, what's up with that? Yeah, we'd have to go back and see whatever led to that, but we, you know, we don't get time for that. <laughs> 
But anyways, it's fun because Gary Hart's got a great little line at the end of the promo, which he basically says, whether this team wins or that team wins, I can't lose. <laughs> he's got two to, at worst, he's got two out of three. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> of the guys. But if we fast forward to Star Wars Reunion Arena, and the first match we're going to cover is a sick, the finals, I guess, of this tournament. And Jeff, take it away. At first, I didn't like it because for context, this was, I saw it stand alone. I didn't see the tournament and I only found out about the tournament and, uh, you know, more of the build. So it's it's hard to appreciate something when you're taking it in cold. And I did take it in cold, but now I know that there was, uh, you know, a storyline here. And, and so it is the finals of a tournament. All roads lead to the quintessential classic feud from this territory, from this time, which is the Von Erichs at large, all four of them, Fritz, David, Carey, and Kevin versus the fabulous Freebirds. Now, they hint at that rather heavily because there's a promo between Carey. You know, they have Carey and David in the locker room with, I don't quite recognize the mic man. Right. Uh, uh, or maybe I do. It's probably Bill Mercer, like the, the commentator. Okay, uh, that this will be the guy with all beard, no mustache. That's right. Yes, that's Bill Mercer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Carrie conspicuous by his absence. Anyway, here we get a bit of backstory. The Fabs, the fabulous Freebirds, the Freebirds <laughs> haven't been around very long. So Carrie is sorry, not Carrie isn't there. So Kevin is saying, well, they're buddies with David. David being the eldest, you know, that makes the most sense that he knows these guys. But yeah, he's sort of suggesting right away that like, boy, if all three of us got in there, we'd be unstoppable. And then Kevin's like, yeah, I think one day we'll be the six man tag. So that's right. Hint, yeah. hint. Where do you think we're headed <laughs> in the long run? I always get confused. I think Kevin's the oldest, but maybe you're right. David's the oldest. David's the tallest. <laughs> I feel like David's the oldest. I think we, yeah, we could look, we'll, we'll look it up before another match and correct ourselves. But yeah, I always, either way, I'm, I'm, I'm never, I'm never confident. Mm. I know Carrie's the youngest of the three of them, but well, and none of them are the oldest son. Yeah, well, that ties into the part of that we're not yeah, really, yeah, yeah. you know, going into. But the, the tragedy struck early. A, a young fella died too young, like wasn't even ten or maybe that, around that age. Real sad. On first pass, I got annoyed with this match because Michael Hayes is a ham and a half. Now, I'm a Freebird fan for sure, but like I I feel at very many points in this match, he's reaching, he's overacting for a lukewarm crowd. He's kind of like, he's really trying to like, come on, come on. And like, at times I'm just irritated with them because he's like- I think part of it's because he's trying to play a baby face and he's just a natural heel. (laughs) You know, he's I will much take better, that. He's much better as a heel. And like, as Jeff said, they've been brought in as David's friends and they're friends of the Von Erics and they're these squeaky, you know, clean, good guys, so so to speak, even though they're right. definitely not. So I'm not digging it. <laughs> it was getting on my nerves. Yeah. The second pass of the match, I really, you know, for me, it's it's Iron Mike Sharp who gives me all the fun. Yeah, you know? that's right. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, you know, I, don't get me wrong. I love Michael Hayes. He, he, he's, uh, he's got that great look, you know, that, yeah. uh, you know, these long haired hippie Southern redneck guys, you wanted to see <laughs> in his contradictions, right? Like yeah. free wheeling, but they didn't, they didn't to me evoke the negative parts of whatever was coming out of the South. Like I liked right, these yeah. guys. I didn't associate them with anything that anything bad. I, I was loving it. Yeah. They were just more tied to like the idea of like Rebels. rock music yeah. and like, and just the idea of just territorial, like sort of feuds, like geographical, like university, like we've got a rivalry. So yeah. like Texas and Georgia, that's an easy rivalry. So it was an easy thing to play on. Yeah. However, uh, you've you've hit the nail on the head. Michael Hayes is much better, I think, as a heel. And one of my favorite matches of all time is Lex Luger. 
versus yeah. Michael Hayes. What a great match. I'm all about it. Yeah. So we'll, one day we'll cover that because that's Michael Hayes at his best, and I just love it. And For then sure. Michael Hayes had a couple shots at Flair. I mean, most oh, people yeah. did, Absolutely, right? So, yeah. so I think Michael Hayes is fantastic. But in this match, he gets on my nerves. <laughs> Which, I mean, I guess is, you know, you want that, but he's supposed to be the face. So he does a lot of, he gets on the mic and first thing is he's a total, uh, he's shameless, like Cactus Jack. You know, like, I sure would like it if the crowd would cheer now, you know. <laughs> You're in, you know, fill in the blank spot on the map that we're in. You guys are the greatest, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Anyway, like, I, I think that was, I'm sure for a lot of people, that was his charm, but like, he would just kiss ass shamelessly. So he starts with Merry Christmas. So everybody's cheering him and, and we have a storyline. And then the, the Freebirds, another complaint, but they had to do this for the booking. Of course. No Buddy Roberts, you know, like they're, yeah. they're, they're whipping boys, not there, but Buddy Roberts also was really funny. Yes. And, and he had lots of like sneaky tricks. Like That's he right. was like the wily veteran who was yeah. beating you by his smarts. He was, he was almost like a poor man's Tully Blanchard or something. Like he was really good at getting under people's skin, you know, and you really wanted to see him get his ass kicked. Yeah. And I had a great laugh just listening to Jim Cornette. He was talking about a match between the Von Erichs and the Freebirds, and uh, I don't think this made it on TV, right? Yeah, but yeah. at one point, Buddy Roberts pulls off his cowboy boots in a no-holds-barred match to beat up on a Von Eric, and a, a baggie full of green stuff falls out of his boot, and somebody <laughs> in the crowd goes, ah, look at the Freebird lost his weed! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they made it look like the, yeah, yeah. The, you know, the, the gag was oh, that the okay. Freebirds were stoners. Did it, did it on purpose, yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, okay. of course you gotta plant that, right? Okay, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, unless, you know, could you imagine if Buddy Roberts did forget his weed yeah, in his yeah, boot yeah. and he took it off to beat up on a vine. <laughs> I think they planted it, but you know, okay, yeah. I got it. And also, you don't put that, that's not on TV. No. <laughs> that's definitely, you know, like, but it also, to me, that I love that because that fed into the idea that the Freebirds were, you know, these hippie, dope smoking, ass kicking, you know, yeah, guys. Yeah, and, yeah, troublemakers. Yeah, troublemakers, but like, I could certainly relate to uh, that, that 70s good times and, and Michael Hayes, he certainly brought to the women the sex appeal lots of hip gyrations lots yeah. of Elvis like taboo that's right thrusting those pelvic bones all over this way that away yeah. and his long hair and his preening and Terry Gorder's such an ass kicker yeah. like he just he, he I remember hearing about him he was like he started wrestling when he was 16 by the time he was 18 he was main eventing wow yeah and he was you know big man like even as Isn't like a crazy? 17 16 year old kid he was already like you know this 270 pound it's just amazing pound. to think that yeah at 16 he was um, that he was right what did you say to how much I don't know how much he weighed then but right, I mean but like he, by, his, by, by the time he's like even 20 let's say most most people are like well under their like you know peak weight <laughs> <laughs> like when they're like 18 can still be a very scrawny man, you know, like for most could kids, be most people. But at 16, he was like two something, 240. He must. I'm, I'm sure he wasn't at his full size because well, eventually he's no. over 300. But he right, probably, right. So he probably was at like 270 or 260 wow. when he was like, you know, 16. And still in high school. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, having said that, there were some monsters stalking the halls that's of right. our high yeah, school. Like right. I, yeah. I don't know yeah. what they weighed, but I'm just thinking like oh, that guy probably weighed 250. Yeah. <laughs> <You> <laughs> <know>? <laughs> Graham's brother, right? Oh, and he wouldn't have weighed that much then, but he was, yeah, he would have weighed a lot. But I'm thinking more like the guys that had the bigger chest and shoulder than a guy like Glenn, like a, like a really bad, there were some guys in our school that I can think of that were like maybe a year older than you. Grant's brother Vaughn? To, oh, for sure, yeah. That's Vaughn, what I meant. Vaughn, yeah, Vaughn was probably- Vaughn Mitchell. 230 or something like that. Well, yeah, that's why I think I was- 240. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what I think I just said, yeah. pretty close. Yeah, yeah. So, right, where are we? Well, we've got uh, Michael Hayes in, introducing their, the oh, two. Yeah. The, it's, That's right. It's Nobody a six-man tag, but it's a two against three. He's not there. He's like, well, you know, we got snowed in in Denver, Colorado, but 
uh, and then more pandering to the crowd, he said, me and my brother, we're proud to be the American delegation. And he's yeah, like, yeah, that's right. as if we're waving the maple leaf, you know, over there in the corner. They're yeah, all yeah. Canadian wrestlers. That's right. But that is kind of neat. Yeah. <laughs> they're all just in wrestling gear. Not a, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's... nothing to show, not a, not even one little pin, one little <laughs> Rougeau flag. No, no. You know, that little freebie Canada Day flags. So anyway, but so he's doing anything he can to like suck up to the crowd. Yeah. And he's like, it may be two, three, but me and my brother, we never back down from nothing. David Von Eric climbs into the ring. That's as right. As Michael Hayes appears to be saying, we're going to fight anyway. David, he's not great on the mic. None of them are, but he gets in there to say, yes, I'm going to wrestle with you. But what he actually says, I give you my body. Yeah, and I'm right. like, you cringe. <laughs> but the crowd's going, ah, woohoo, yeah, yippee. Yeah. So he's going to step in place of Buddy Roberts and the match can proceed. So we've already gave you a bit of a description of Michael Hayes and Terry Gordy. You know what they look like. And uh, David Von Erich, I think we probably mentioned that he's a tallest. He's a redhead. And he doesn't have the rippling muscles of, uh, of Kerry or Kevin. So I guess I don't think he did any roids. Whereas I'm pretty sure the other well, guys must have. Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. I bet well, Kerry was guy. definitely on the roids. I remember reading and about Kevin, that when he was in like, high school. Like he was on roids in high school. Yeah, yeah, and and I feel that Kevin too because he's just he's yeah. he's carved on a marble, you know. Yeah. So I mean, as is Kerry, but yeah. Kerry's they they've got different body types. I mean, well, Kerry Von Erich like definitely has one of the top three, four, or five physiques of the '80s, and in wrestling, like there's nobody you know other than like a Tony Atlas. But even Tony Atlas is sort of like a bigger, puffier, you know. Like Kerry Von Erich was that sort of in between where he was like really big and muscular, but still looked like he was fluid movements, you know, like he could be really agile. Right. Still, I could never believe how Scott Steiner could get that big and move like he did before. You know, right, he yeah. changed his uh, style. That's right. So you have from Canada, you've got the the Sharp Brothers, <laughs> Iron Mike. And Ben, who actually I think his build is heavier than Iron. Yeah, he is, which doesn't make any sense because when you look at them, he definitely looks smaller than Mike. Yeah, Iron and Mike. There, and there's and there's no iron in the mic. They just call him Mike Sharp. Right. Okay. So that's my insert from what will happen later. Yes. And we never saw Iron Mike in the WWF. He was an like opening or mid-carder. Now, he would have maybe got some wins on the house shows. He got you a know? lot of wins on the house shows. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but he never got to shine on TV. And yeah, we I were... don't think that there was any like he would get to abuse a Coco Beware or somebody for a while, but but he would end up losing the match. <laughs> right. But he would he would win a lot of house show matches, and he definitely was bigger in the other territories before he really settled into his role with WWF. And I think that if we went and looked up his you know his accolades, I'm sure he's got lots of regional titles under his belt. Right. Because he was a mid 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 to higher card guy instead of a instead of a jobber. Well, for me, and, going- and not a jobber because he was like the jobber's that guy that nobody knows. He yeah. just he wrestles once a week because he's on TV or whatever. You know those, those guys. He is that he's that known guy. You know he's at the, the he's at the Pete Doherty, the Brooklyn Brawler, Steve Lombardi, the, all those Steve Jones. Yeah, yeah. Who's the third guy? Is it okay? Tom? He is from BC. Yeah. Actually, the names go well together. Yeah, yeah. Steel. Yeah, that's right. So there's no iron, but we do have steel. That's right. <laughs> So sharp and steel, that's a pretty good, you know, I mean, that's these what guys, been called. I, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But for me going in, unfortunately, I'm like, who are these jokers? You know, right, like yeah. you've got, they do from behind. Like I, I did recognize Mike Sharp really quickly because of his unique back and shoulders and stuff like that and his haircut. But it, yeah, there was that moment where I was like, 
is it the Freebirds versus some jobbers? Like, what's going on here? Crazy. For the, you know, inaugural six-man tag team championship, jobbers versus the Freebirds, I was just, like, baffled by go- you know, looking yeah. at it. Anyway, um, actually, the match is a lot of fun because uh, Mike Sharp, whether he's iron or not, he <laughs> like, this match is, like, so much fun. Like, you... You could take it in with your eyes closed and almost have as much of a good time because of the bellowing (laughs) of Mike Sharp and his like, you know, not just his bellowing, his attempts to plead, cajole, trick, like everything. Mike is great. He's so good in this match. (laughs) So I held my nose the first time I watched it. The second time I watched it, I was howling. Okay. Yeah, I couldn't get enough of the comedy. (laughs) Um, And, you know, these other two jokers, they hold their own. They do a fine job. Yeah, that's right. Nothing, not a misstep. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, you got sharpened steel from Canada, <laughs> but there's no flag in sight. Now there's an interesting character in the crowd. There's a guy who looks and walks and probably talks like the sheriff. And I actually got his name. Yeah, I got his name during the Bundy Kevin Von Erich match, which we're going to cover. And I happened to take it down earlier so uh mark lazuette or something okay and he's got a tan suit oh and the guy sitting right at ringside yeah right? cowboy okay. hat yeah, yeah, yeah. I, know, I know what you're talking about the yeah. sheriff yeah 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 cool as a cucumber that's right and whatever happens he's just like picks the boys up puts them back on their feet and, <laughs> and just like dust them off you know like and also he escorts bundy i remember too so okay. i don't know who this guy is but he caught my attention because yeah, right. i assume he works for them because he's, he's not like a fan he's sitting inside of the, the barricade and that's uh, right yeah, he's got a very distinct look the sheriff yeah, he's anyway sitting right beside the ring announcer yeah so i have a note here that he's on patrol <laughs> it's a little out of context because yes. you know i i described him or I took notes to wrote down right i took notes earlier on you know in the other match but so there is this guy who who i'm curious we'll, about we'll revisit him <laughs> yeah who's the sheriff that's right <laughs> terry gordy the big man the power of the Freebirds, is going to start off against mike sharp and michael p.s hayes is on the side clapping get the crowd pumped up he's like <laughs> he's a little overboard but you know hey i get it i i understand what it's like you know the crowd you, you you could let it be a little more organic, but hey, he's got his pedal to the metal, Michael. Yeah, Hazen. and he also he, he's got a Von Eric standing beside him, so he knows he's got the crowd on his side. <laughs> yeah. So we start out with a collar and elbow, and Mike Sharp is actually pretty powerful. There's a no immediate yeah. throwdown and like begging, like oh no, he holds his own against Terry Gordy, who's a very strong man. We wind up, I, I, I really do enjoy Mike. They wind up by the ropes and it's Mike who's got Terry Gordy pressed and he keeps one hand on his chest and we're waiting. Is it going to be a clean break? And like, it's sort of like Mike is there, hmm, cheat. So he, <laughs> he takes the big swing at yeah. Terry Gordy. And of course, you know, it, it's, it's not going to work out, right? Nope. <laughs> we got to give, we got to get a pop from the crowd. That's right. So Mike uh, Sharp just really entertaining me by deciding to cheat. But Ducky, uh, but uh, Duck, Gordy ducks, clobbers Mike. <laughs> who immediately hides between the second and third rope and cowers, get him back, get him back. So it's just, it's just so great to see him, you know, cheat and then That's cower. Right. <laughs> and Mike is just, he's, he's, he's really good. <laughs> so we get another collar and elbow and equal strength, these guys. Man, very impressive. Mike Sharp is, is a big man, wide back, as, as uh, Corey said. And then we get the same thing. We get Gordy backed up into the rope. They're still in the collar and elbow, and Gordy's is now pushed. You know, he's he's kind of stretched. You know, his head and shoulders are like out of the ring almost. Yeah. And again, it's like is Mike gonna go for the. Is he gonna get him a clean break? 
<laughs> nah. So this time he does manage to give Gordy one shot. Yeah. But Gordy takes it and just fights back and beats the crap out of Mike <laughs> Toledo. Once again, hiding between his second and third rope. Yeah, no, get him back. Get away, get away. <laughs> so good fun. Fisticuffs do not favor the heels. They never do. No. Still, we got Michael doing the whole foot stomp, getting the crowd clapping, getting the crowd pumped up and then michael and then mike sharp has got this great bit where he's just like he's he's like calm down calm down calm down he's saying to terry Corey, he's like take it easy calm down his hands are like yeah. you know take it easy he keeps saying calm down it's so good like you know, just, we're just gonna have a wrestling match here you know you need to get excited about it it's That's a right. sporting competition so his talking in this match i just love mike sharp he's hilarious so he's trying to he's imploring terry to calm down another collar and elbow but they get close enough that michael hayes manages to tag in and then we get michael hayes you know his over Overacting begins. He get, he does this little leg pumping and he kicks his legs up, you know, like yeah. a, like an excited toddler on Christmas morning, you know, and he he just kicks his feet out and then yeah. he, he starts running the ropes and uh, it's a little early fall. I mean, it's basically like a hot tag, but there's there's no heat yet. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the oven just got turned on. How's it hot already? Exactly. So Michael's overdoing it. A face is just entered to the ring. So what's going to happen? The heel's going to take some shots. That's right. So for sure, Mike Sharp eats some elbows. And then before long, we have a front face lock. And uh, Michael Hayes is in control. What I hadn't really seen before was that somehow Mike Sharp just, he puts his arm up, snakes it around Michael Hayes' neck. And then he's got a front face lock, and they right, basically right. they're yeah, the yeah. same kind of move. I'm like, what's that? The counter to a front face lock is a front face lock, but <laughs> somehow he manages that. And yeah, so, like yeah. the two of them are instead of a collar and elbow, they're they're jostling in equal front face locks. That's right. It, it was weird. I hadn't seen that before. Yeah. But it, it ends up on the ropes, and David Von Eric makes his way into the ring after a tag. He comes in, delivers a drop kick to Mike Sharp, and gets a one count. And then this announcer. He calls what I thought was a front face lock a reverse headlock. I, yeah. But I mean, like when you grab a guy for a DDT, if yeah. you're just holding him and you don't do the DDT, yeah. you know, what is that? And you're holding him, you know, yeah. and you're just like, he's had enough. Ask him, ask him. Yeah, what, yeah, yeah. Isn't that a front face lock? I would assume so. But I, I mean, mean, a front face lock, I I don't want to get that's too... That's a chin lock if you're behind the guy. Behind the guy, but in, in front where he's facing well, you. Yeah, you're holding, him, you're holding him for the DDT. So the difference is the DDT, you've got one arm hooked. That other arm is kind of doing whatever you want, pointing, okay, so, waving. So what if front you're holding... Front face lock, I think it's two hands. I don't I don't know if that's okay. really the defining th- you know, All right. factor or not. Well, I didn't say the other guy was waving to the crowd. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he yeah, has yeah, got yeah, two yeah, hands yeah, on yeah, there, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah, a front yeah. face lock. Okay, yeah. so yeah. Anyway, so yeah, that's what I thought. Anyway, and so the announcer calls it a reverse headlock. And I'm like, what kind of crazy down south lingo they got here in Texas? I don't know what they're talking about. I'm looking at this, Ben, who's Ben? I'm like, oh yeah, Ben. Ben. He's, 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 <laughs> he's Ben. He's Brother Ben. He is yeah, right. Ben Sharp. And he's uh, actually, uh, I don't mind him. And he's, his job tonight is to be, we want a competitive match. We want a long right. Stiff, you know, sell and dish it out. So um, he does his job very well. He gets into the match and we get our first look at this guy from Hamilton, Ontario. He trades blows with the face of the day, which is, uh, who's in there right now? I think David Von Erich is in there. But he does manage to get a nice hip toss on David Von Erich. David lands a really big uppercut and Ben sells are great. Hits the canvas, gets back up. And then a body slam. Somebody body slams somebody. <laughs> <laughs> So Ben does, you know, he eats that punch, but he gets back up and continues his assault. And he drops David with a body slam, goes for a knee drop, and it misses, allowing Terry Gordy to tag in. Terry, we get a turnbuckle face smash. 
and a back body drop. I was expecting a Hogan clothesline, right. but this uh, whip into the corner resulted in that. And a body slam, and then a beautiful knee drop. It all looks great. Terry Gordy looks like he's just crushing Ben. That's right. Ben Steele. Sharp. sharp, sharp, sharp <laughs> ben Sharp. sharp. <laughs> That's right. Uh, we get a two count out of that, and Terry Gordy looks every inch of the ass kisser. F- plus, he's not- the ass kisser. <laughs> That's you. Yes, I didn't right. see that. <laughs> ass kicker. Terry Gordy's kicking ass. There you go. Yes. At this point, I noticed that our man, Ben, Ben Metal. <laughs> <laughs> I just cover it all. Ben Metal. That's <laughs> easy. Ben like, instead of me concentrating every time. He sounds a bit like Haku. He's, yeah. his, his breathing pattern is very okay, audible. Yeah. You can say, that would be Haku. And <laughs> yeah, right. Ben Sharp's got a, a distinguishable uh, breath pattern in this match. Terry Gordy delivers an awesome suplex. He holds Ben, ben What's-His-Face up there for <laughs> sharp. like... Sharp. We get a sharp suplex. And Ben Sharp holds him up there for like five or six seconds before he brings him down. Right. And we get a two count. And then Ben rallies. This guy, is, he can take a beating. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's no limp wimp. He's a bro. He's a bro. He whips Terry Gordy. Uh, but nope, the faces remain in control of the match because uh, we get a, a charge. I thought that Terry Gordy would be doing some more whipping, but boom. The faces are in control, so a charge results in a duck, and he get, takes a huge punch, and then I see, we get some beautiful drunken sailor wobbles out of this Ben Sharp guy. <laughs> he really sells, and it's pretty funny. And then we have a little bit of a pun. The face takes the heel's face, and he, to the knee of another face. <laughs> so what the hell? In other words, Ben Sharp gets thrown into the knee of Michael Hayes before Michael Hayes comes in and does some... Actually, we get a nice little three-man combination. David does a little interference. He's talking to the ref, and as he's walking away from his tag rope, yeah, he's like, yeah. hey, what's going on? As he's on the move. Meanwhile, Hayes hasn't left. Gordy hasn't left the ring, so they right. whip, and the two Freebirds give a double, a double reverse elbow oh, yeah, to yeah. our poor Ben Sharp. While, and then the referee's like, hey, what's going on? Get out of the ring. So actually, the three of them are working well together. That's right. Michael Hayes body slams Ben Sharp and then climbs up to Brett's rope to give a nice flying elbow smash. This results in a one and a two and a kick out because we got a lot more wrestling to go. This Ben has a chin. He manages to rally and his forearms are stiff. He's clubbing Michael Hayes and you can hear him slam the flesh on flesh impact. Uh, these are, you know, this looks a lot stiffer than Dusty and Flick right. Flair uh, last week at the end of the bash. Now, well, the, and uh, despite his beatings, you know, he manages to tag easily. He can take a beating and keep on going. Now we get to see Tom Sharp. No, Steel. <laughs> in the ring. Tom Steel. Yeah, Sharp and Steel. Tom Steel from BC makes his way in, and he's pretty aggressive. He's a bit like a Tully Blanchard. He's not too impressive to look at, but he's all go. He's yeah. like throwing uh, fists and forearms and elbows, and uh, Michael Hayes eats a couple of shot- shots. The heels take over. Well, there is some more of Michael Hayes doing his, you know, leg kick sort of, uh, you know, energy building, psych himself up. They look really hammy. I'm not really digging them. David tags in and gets a beautiful drop kick. And then David roars as he delivers a pile driver, which this guy calls an atomic drop. Oh, yeah. I remember him saying that. Yeah. What is this? Who is this joker? (laughs) They got a different dictionary down there. Give me a break. Who is this guy? <laughs> anyway, Tom sells really good. He goes limp, uh, but his legs are all tangled up into the ropes, and it's not a finisher here. Mike Steele, sharp, damn it. Initials don't help here. MS, that does not help me. I've lost everything. 
Mike Metal. That's it. They're all just the Metal Brothers. All three of them are the Metal Brothers from now on. Mike Metal tags in and he clubs David with big forearms. Now, as, with, as a with, ghost, without the bracers. That's right. Mike Metal without the metal because that would be the thing, right? Like yeah. his, Iron Mike Sharp was known for loading his bracer. That's, that's right. black leather. He doesn't look like it here. Yeah. So the Metal Brother is giving him a club without the metal. David's just getting battered. He pulls a Ricky Morton scoot between the legs and tags in Michael Hayes. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's really quick. Yeah. Michael Hayes comes in and finally I've got something. He's doing these rocket kicks. <laughs> And they're really silly. Well, you know, he just gets in the yeah, ring yeah. and he fluffs his hair and he's yeah, like yeah. so excited that he kicks his legs, you know. Yeah, like yeah, he grabs the rope and kicks his leg. And yeah, and, uh, I, you know, and he's done it like for the fifth time, but like yeah. he's not going like up to the ceiling, you know. He's just like, they're more like Von Raschke, you know, like <laughs> kicks. But this is how he's trying to build his excitement, Michael Hayes. Yeah, they're, they're they're kind of silly if you ask me, but we could do. We are getting close to like a hilarious, my favorite spot of this whole card coming okay, up. Okay, right on. So he's beating up Mike Sharp. He gives him a back body drop. He gives him an elbow drop, and, and then they look pretty good. But now we get this wonderful like Mike Sharp on the run because uh, Michael <laughs> Hayes is really really geared up. I like it because Michael Hayes. I feel like. He's a little bit all eyes on me. Even if he's on the apron, he's yeah. the one clapping his hands, like, pay attention to right. me. I'm, yeah, yeah. you know. And so Iron Mike steals the spotlight here for a while. <laughs> he does a bit, which is as funny as anything. I don't. I guess I just have a soft spot. I don't know what's going on, why I'm loving this bit. But just his roars yeah, and yeah. his woes yeah, are yeah. like, they just had me splitting my sides as I tried to keep track of what was going on here. So Michael Hayes is really geared up and, and Mike Sharp doesn't want anything to do with him, right? <laughs> so he's basically trying to run away from this really psyched up Michael Hayes with his rocket kicks. He's like, I'm no match for Michael Hayes. So basically Michael Hayes kind of goes for a call and elbow and, and Mike Sharp is like, he, he ducks it and he does a 180 to run away, but he forgets that he's in face town. Oh, so yeah, Derek, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Terry Gordy's right there and he's like, whoa. So he turns around forgetting that Michael Hayes is behind him and like, yikes. Michael Hayes scares him so he turns around to run away from Michael Hayes and there's Terry Gordy and then he, then he turns you know and so he, one more time he turns around to run away from the face town and he takes a pop from Michael Hayes but his bellowing I just you know I would like you to hear it for yourselves this trio of whoa it, 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 I just it had me splitting for the world class six man tag team championship So after the pop from Michael Hayes, he winds up on the floor and we have a little Midnight Express style conference where the brother comes over, you know, and just like calms him down and then he gets back into the ring. But uh, it was comedy gold for me. Uh, Mike Sharp at his best. I've never seen him more entertaining than this match and, and just so good as his, his trapped heel shtick is better than anybody. <laughs> like I said, you could just listen to this match and have a good time, I think, because yeah. of, of, of his his vocalizations. And take that, Michael Hayes. My, you know, Mike Sharp's pretty funny too, That's you know, right. you you big ham. <laughs> so we st we have uh, Mike Sharp gets back in, and Michael Hayes is pimping the crowd, and, and uh, you know these are stalling techniques yeah. right now. Mike's trying uh, Iron Mike Sharp is or well, he's not Iron Mike at this point, but Middle Mike is trying to stall. He's he's trying to slow things down, and Michael Hayes is inside with his wiggles and his Elvis pelvic thrusts, and he's <laughs> and also he's like, come on, crowd, give me the claps, you know, clap, clap, and all that. And uh, once Iron Mike 
who isn't yet Iron, Metal Mike gets back into the ring. Michael Hayes is pulling his, like, he's trembling with excitement and anger, and he's just, like, messing his hair, and he's, you know, shaking, and, you know, he's all psyched <laughs> up, and 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 Iron and Mike Sharp is like, whoa, 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 you know, and what I just love, he sticks his hand out for a handshake. <laughs> and then he's, he's like, what's the matter with you anyway? <laughs> it's really good. He puts a hand behind his back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he wants to shake hands. He's and like Dennis Condry down on his knees. Yeah. <laughs> please, please. But Mike is... Michael Hayes is really psyched up, psyched up, and so he's like shaking his head, ah! <laughs> and it's really fun. So he he looks a little silly, but it is really fun. So eventually, Michael Hayes just won't no no handshake. Yeah, his kind of attack sounds are like I said, the the audio for this match alone is worth you know <laughs> sitting through. I'd like to see what you know somebody who couldn't see it what they would think of just listening to the match because it's it's really fun. So Michael Hayes charges and gives Mike Sharp a beal throw. It isn't long before Michael Hayes is looking with menace at Heel Town and he kind of like angles himself at a bad position where he's not able to watch both Mike Sharp and the rest of the Sharp and Steel team. So he gets <laughs> attacked kind of like side sideways. Mike Sharp is able to start laying in the beats and pretty soon here we're uh, going to be building our, our hot tag. So there's a lot of beating up Michael Hayes coming up. That's right. So we get uh, a heel tag and an opportunity for a double sharp. Ben is in and um, his brother Mike holds Hayes for a few clobbers before he gets out. Ben starts chopping stiff chops. Uh, he gives him a, a mare, a snap mare, and a chin lock, and he's really grinding down. Like, he, these are not, uh, you know, they, they're they good rest holes. Like, he's, yeah. he's moving, and he's working that big 290 pounds. He doesn't doesn't seem as big as they said, but he, he he's on the move, and, and Michael Hayes is getting grinded down. He's right. a bigger man. So uh, David Von Erich is trying to psych up the crowd. He grabs the hammer for the bell and starts just banging, like, the ring post, like, bang, clang, <laughs> clang. There are, like, sparks shooting off of it. Oh, because, wow, I missed that. Yeah, it looks like it to me because he's just not often you see somebody grab the timekeeper's hammer yeah. and start whacking the uh, the post. Every time Ben delivers a, a forearm, you can hear it throughout the arena. These are real stiff. I'm starting to like this Ben Sharp guy. Yeah. He gives a real good knee, gets a two count, and then he tags Steel. And for the first time, I'm wondering, is this guy, a cousin, is he related to George? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> mm, maybe I can start finally telling these guys apart. Is he going to eat a turnbuckle? I can tell my sharps from my steels. <laughs> we get a double team, and they batter Michael Hayes. We got fists. We got choking. We got a occasional wrestling move. He mares him down to the ground, puts on a reverse chin lock, and they're this hot tag is, you know, now the heat's going up. Now, yeah. you know, Michael Hayes has been taking a beating. We have a more organic flow to this tag match. Grinding that chin lock in. Iron Mike makes his way in. Even if he isn't Iron, he's Metal Mike to me. <laughs> and he's beating on Michael Hayes. He puts on a bear hug. Squeezes him for yeah. two or three minutes. You know, Michael Hayes goes it's, limp. It's a very interesting look because the camera's behind Iron Mike Sharp. So you can't, you can't see Michael Hayes very well. And his legs are completely off the ground, like like around yeah. his waist. And he, he's starts doing this like laying back and closing his eyes as if he's passing out you know like he's with, his, with, his, with his arms it's like he's uh floating on his back in the water except for he's being held up by Iron Mike Sharp yes indeed so this goes on for a while and it really saps all the strength from Michael Hayes it would appear Iron Mike who's Metal Mike for now says ask him rest ask him we're gonna hear a lot of that the ref is uh he's under pressure all the time <laughs> but the bear hug is uh abandoned Tom makes his way back into the ring. Now, let's see. Tom Metal. Metal Tom. Not the brother. Who's the bro? Which one's the bro? Ben is the bro. Yes. Ben is the bro. So Tom is He's a bro and a pro. No, Tom is sharp. Tom is sharp. And he's back in. And he misses a knee. Tom is steel. That's right. I misses. What? Tom is steel. 
Ben is the brother. He's sharp. Okay, right. It's Thomas. Yeah. Middlemen. The middlemen. So Tom misses a knee that was like in the corner and uh, he ends up taking a pretty good spot at a groggy Michael Hayes is finally able to tag in Gordy. It's it's kind of interesting story. Tom, Ben, Mike, these don't sound like wrestling names. These just like, you know, like it's just like the three fellas got together to wrestle. That's right. It's like what? The Canucks. Yeah. Three friendly the Tim boys. When so the the hot tag works and when Gordy makes his way in, the oh, crowd yeah, goes yeah. absolutely nuts. Yeah. But only after after only two hits, yeah. a big shoulder tackle into the corner wow. goes yeah. sideways and then Just launches himself in, yeah. Into the steel post. So now Gordy's hurt. Yeah. And the hot tag is cut short. Now we get a tag. Both men are down because, you know, those uh, Gordy had done some real damage in his brief offense. So a 10 count begins. And this is actually fucking hilarious. I'd like you to hear it because. <laughs> Terry Gordy now is down and so is Steele and their count is off. Somebody's got to get up. The count is to six, seven, eight. Anybody going to get up? Seven, eight. Is anybody going to get up? <laughs> <laughs> Does he actually say that? Yeah. <laughs> and then he says, well, they're up enough because the ref stops counting. <laughs> oh, the commentator. I thought yeah. you put the ref said and you can pick it up on the camera. The commentator. The commentator okay, is, you, you okay. know, is he, the, the ref, you know, just stops counting because neither guy makes it to their feet. <laughs> it's a little bit of a, I'm not sure if it's a botch or what. So they allow the wrestlers to make their way. It's not called a double count out and the match continues. Mike Sharp comes in and he gets some punches. He body slams Terry Gordy, but he misses a big elbow. David Von Erich tags in and he starts to beat up Mike Sharp, but actually all six men are into the ring and it's a yeah. pier six brawl, six man brawl. But somehow the Freebirds know enough to clear a lane That's and right. David Von Erich has got the center runway. He whips one of these metal men. And delivers a beautiful high knee a la Brutus Beefcake. I think, unfortunately, it might be my favorite metal man, which is Mike Sharp. That's right. <laughs> and the, uh, the Brutus Beefcake high knee gets a very quiet, like this, there, now I notice there's two refs in there, and one of them yes. is really oh, an old guy. Yeah, it was really strange, the two refs, and they both were in the ring together at the same time with different uniforms on, and you're thinking of Bronco and Rigursky, who's super annoying as a ref, because he can't get down to make the count. Yeah. So he has to kind of go down on one knee holding the ropes, and just lean forward and tap the mat, you know, he's a terrible ref. Yeah, like Tommy Young would reach for the sky, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. and like, uh, often the storyline was, Tommy would fool you with like like the hawk finish when it yes. looked like he was counting three, but he's patting Hawk on the shoulder. One, two, three, you're disqualified. Like Tommy yeah, yeah, Young yeah, yeah. could really sell, but this guy can barely move. Yeah, barely <laughs> move. So a really awful pinfall, but there are two refs as yeah. as we said. And the belts go to the Von Eric and Freebird combination and our Canadian metal men of Mike Sharp and Ben Sharp and Tom Steele have fallen. They're vanquished. They are vanquished. You know, the the Freebirds are hugging and there yeah. is a moment there where David looks really awkward I and lost. Think, I think it's, I think, I've, you know, I know this storyline very well. I'd never seen this match before this week. I'd seen the other stuff from this card before, many in some in some cases four or five times. But this particular thing, I knew the storyline of the six man tag. I didn't ever see this match. I thought this was brilliantly done. This like subtle sort of like leaving hey, him, hey, leaving about, him out of the celebration. Yeah, yeah. There's this big hug happening, like Jeff says, 
and they're not acknowledging the guy who got the pinfall. And then I love the way Michael Hayes does it. He looks up over Terry Gordy's shoulder and he's like, all of a sudden he's reaching, you know, and you, and you. Yeah. And he goes and hugs him and Terry Gordy kind of remains distant. He just gives David a a handshake, you know, like they're not, they're not a big, uh, well, I mean, if I was in there as Terry Gordy, I'd be like, okay, Mike's doing it for both of us. (laughs) You know, like you don't need to lay it on thick. Cause like Michael Hayes lays it on thick, but yes, quite so. And then there's an interview. That's right. Outside of the ring. Now what's this guy's name? He's talking to him. That should be, uh, (coughs) that should be Bill Mercer. Who's our color. Who's our, you know, commentary play by play guy. Well, Terry Gordy's on there. He's excited. And Michael Hayes is excited. But, you know, David, sometimes his instincts, he's like, hold on, please, everybody, calm down, quiet. I'm like, why would you want to ever calm down your yeah, crowd? Yeah, 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 <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I don't get it. It's just like his instincts. I don't know. Anyway, then he announces that, uh, I know that if it was me and my brothers, blah, blah, blah. Basically, he relinquishes yeah, right. his third yes. of the six-man tag team belt. Presumably, so that Buddy Roberts and the the, the brothers can have it out of yeah. you know family bonds. Terry doesn't really react, but Michael Hayes does his overacting. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Like, he's not happy about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Like, like, yeah, he seems kind of like upset that David's relinquished it. He's not grateful. Yeah. He, does, he doesn't seem happy that right. David is, has broken up their team already. Yeah. And it's interesting because six years later, trying to hand the belt to somebody will mean you don't get the belt at all. <laughs> you you lose the belt. But here, you can just hand the belt over. <laughs> Right. That would be the million dollar man. I That's believe what I'm talking about. To. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yes. Anyway. So yeah, the first pass at this match, I was, you know, didn't like all the faces I didn't know. But then once I watched it to call it, um, yeah. I, I, Mike is the man of the match. He was so funny. I Sorry, thought the heel, the, you meant the heels you didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't yeah. know what the I rest, said. The wrestlers you didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's it definitely. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. So in this case, I le- literally didn't recognize them, so I didn't recognize right. their faces. But Corey is correct. Yeah. They were heels. That's right. Yes. I did not recognize the faces of the heels. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Double, they just like I'd never seen them before. That's literally. Right. Yeah. You know? But yeah, it even uh, took me a couple of seconds to realize it was Mike Sharp. You know. Yeah. Because he's got his back to the camera, and and you're just not sure. Mm-hmm. Really, uh, a good time. Uh, you know, yeah. yeah. Mike Sharp, man of the match. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> he's so funny. <laughs> and the introduction of these belts is going to be so key and vital to the next couple of years of the f- feud that goes on between the fa- you know the family, so to speak. And it's really good stuff. I think that this match in itself isn't as famous as let's say uh, like a Freebird Von Erich match down the road. Of course, you know those will be. You have to build. Yeah, but this is this the is start. the beginning. This is the start of oh, it. It's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, it's really good. Okay, as we said, we're going to kind of roll things out of order slightly. So we're next going to focus on what actually ended the night, as far as I can tell, which is a very unique uh, idea of a battle royal. (laughs) Stick with us. Hold on just one second, please. Wait a second, Michael, Terry, I know you guys do this for me because I know the quality guys you are. Since your brother was unable to make this tonight, I'm relinquishing my third of the world tag team title to give to your brother Buddy because a brother team should be the six man world tag team. And I think you boys, men, deserve it. Well, that's, that's it. That is really something. Before we can go to the ring, we got to find out more about this unique battle royal. And they do this by having an interview with the ref, David Manning. Now, it's important to note that when we look at the beginning of a decade, they often say that you're still kind of in your previous decade. And I'm going to say that 1982 looks very 1970s. <laughs> David Manning's outfit and his hair feels like we're in the 70s. Yeah. He, uh, first off, 
since when do we interview refs? Yeah. Well, Besides gets, Danny Davis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This guy actually gets a lot of airtime in just a couple episodes I looked at. He's interviewed a couple of different times. So um, He's a major you know, player. He is. And if I remember correctly from the documentaries, I think obviously he had a role as ref, but I, th- I think he had sort of more of an administrative role as well, too. I think he was part of the whole you know organization of the company more than just the average ref talent. And same with, with Mercer. And there was a lot of people who were heavily involved in this promotion for a long time. Gary Hart. People come and go, but they all did what they could to keep Texas afloat so the unique thing here is that it's a uh well there's a ten thousand dollar prize up for you know what good what what battle royal what proper battle royal doesn't have a cash prize you know so that's that's good but it's a polo match and this, so this was unique it's a battle royal but there's gonna be a poll so they're gonna explain it so Not right only the, that, well you'll, you'll get there Kate, yeah. go on so manning's confused because he doesn't even know how many people are in the match he's like the 16 or 18, and then I counted this 14. The 14 wrestlers are in the match. They're going to start. It'll be your typical, almost typical battle royal, but there's a twist. You can submit and pin people, too. So it's right. not just over the top. There's what? pins and submissions and over the top. and So that's really wild. And then when they get down to the last three men, they're going to stop the match and they're going to place a check, <laughs> not a bag, not a, you know, <laughs> not, yep. not a whatever object. Golden you hoop. Know. What was the thing they, in the WWE? They had a hemorrhoid cushion yeah, they're exactly. all fighting over. Yeah. <laughs> the golden <laughs> ring. Yeah, that's right. Now it's, con- you know, briefcase, you know, contract, money in the bank or whatever. Yeah, you know, I like, just uh, saw memes making yeah. fun of their big golden that's ring. That's right. Yeah, I remember they did have that at one point. Yeah. Yeah. So they're just going to stop and put this check up on top of the pole and these last three men are going to fight until whoever can get the check first you don't have to eliminate people you can eliminate people but what you really need to do is you need to get that check now did we mention that this interview also has buzzkill bronco beside him on the other oh, side yeah, just yeah. standing there stinking up the place and looking at a yeah the worst ref <laughs> ever <laughs> there's a couple other that are pretty much does he bad, even talk but... i think he's just gonna yeah i heard him talking the other there's a segment that we'll talk about in a little bit right, uh, where right. he, he gets some words in, so we but... get two refs two for one <laughs> that's right so when they go to the ring, they basically start announcing the wrestlers. And, you know, it's 1982. It's a federation that Jeff and I didn't have access to. I think I recognize almost all the names, except for the checkmate. Uh, I think I recognize everybody else, but I wouldn't, a lot of, wow. them, up to, a lot of them to look at, I didn't know Not what me. they, I didn't know what they looked like, you know? Not me. And I wouldn't be able to pick out certain people. No, but I was kind of just couldn't believe that I didn't know these guys. <laughs> so the interesting thing too is, of course, it's a, it's a no DQ kind of situation, but then David Manning qualifies that by saying, but we will disqualify people. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> is it no DQ or is it DQ? Like, what are you, what are you talking about? So they go to that a little David Manning, break. he calls pile drivers a talent drops. Would you? Well, that's Bill Mercer. <laughs> oh, whoops. <laughs> you can't keep your sharps from your steals or your, know, or no. your uh, Mannings from your Mercers. <laughs> Lost in Texas. <laughs> that's right. Okay. So again, most of these wrestlers, when I looked at the card, had actually wrestled earlier in the night. So we get the spoiler. Now, he's someone I definitely knew who he was, even though I very rarely have ever seen him. He's a large man, huge man, a mass man. And if Jeff isn't aware of this, he sort of, the Undertaker, Mark Callis, basically based his a lot of his in-ring style around this guy. Oh, wow. So the walking the ropes, you know, like the old school, they call really? it. Really? That's, that's the spoiler. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, we didn't get to see the spoiler guy shine tonight. No, no. And this, the, yeah, the way this battle royal plays out is Except almost for, like it's backwards. <laughs> yeah, I know. The spoiler, his mask is beautiful, gold, yeah. sparkly, shiny, like it, uh, yeah, like a diner seat cushion or something. And, and like, he looked really impressive in the interview we talked about, the six man interview with Bundy interrupting, because when they come out, it's like he's just towering over Bundy, who you know is like six four or whatever he is. Yeah. So it's like, it's like okay, this guy's big. So you got the spoiler. 
We got Tom Steele from our match that we just talked about. The Checkmate, which we saw in the interview with Gary. Uh, I play chess. There you go. Yes, <laughs> Jeff plays a lot of chess. Captain Frank Dusek. I can't say that I know yeah. that name or that guy, but uh, yeah, he, Never. he gave me a little bit of a Pete Doherty feel to him. He was a little bit yeah. like, <laughs> We got Ben Sharp, so he's back. More metal people back. King Kong Bundy. Okay, here's one of the big players is, you know, coming out. It's hard to get out these big men out of a battle royal, so he's got to be one of the favorites. We got Wild Bill Irwin, who Jeff and I knew from the Long Riders, so he's definitely yep. a known quantity. Uh, we have Mike Sharp, who we, of course, know. Then we have Ken Mantell. I know the name Ken Mantell. I had no idea what he looked like. And this guy doesn't look like much of a wrestler, but uh, he, but he is. He's a wrestler. And he's a fan favorite. And, and the crowd's behind him. So it's kind of, it's interesting. Any relation to Dutch? I haven't, I didn't bother to look it up. Maybe we can get that on before we, uh, before we end the show. Because I do think a couple of these people might be it. But it's possible he's related. Might, maybe not. So here's another name I definitely know. Big guy, Bugsy McGraw. Really odd kind of looking guy. Bald head, but big beard or whatever kind of a I don't know I'm trying to think of another wrestler who's got his kind of body type he's a you know really thick kind of got some flab on him but not like totally he's not Jerry Blackwell but he's no you know, he's similar to Dusty but not yeah. you know but a little, he's all, a little bit more fit looking than Dusty yeah, yeah just a bit more fit but, but like definitely you know his his waist is bigger than his you know he's got a big chest and, yeah. a, big, and a bigger waist bigger waist <laughs> <laughs> yeah and he's also of these guys he seems to be I mean like you got your masked wrestlers a bunch yeah. of them but like he's the guy who seems to be like a character you yeah. know, he's not like uh, the NWA, I'm an athlete here to win a match. This guy is like, he's walking around, he's doing a kind of a strange, like, not a George Steele yeah. level of shtick. No. But he's got a shtick. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely got some he's, antics. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's doing a little circles and, yeah. like, you know, he, yeah. but you need somebody. So, because yeah, somebody's, somebody's got to be crazy. <laughs> yeah. So he stood out to me as, so like, the most colorful character, kind yes. of like, yeah. I mean, with the exception of people wearing shiny gold masks. <laughs> <laughs> but does that, does, in this case, the shiny gold mask guy just stands there he exactly just, very like, plain jane yeah yeah like yeah. that was the undertaker style he wasn't waving his arms look at me look at me yeah he wasn't right. michael hayes rocket kicks fluffing his hair <laughs> look at me look at me so next in the ring is alberto madrill or al madrill this again, is again a name that i read but i wouldn't have been able to pick him out of a lineup to save my life right okay Tall, young, Cheech. That's because he's got that the mustache <laughs> yeah, and the yeah, hairstyle. Yeah. Now, you know? now I'm picturing it. Yeah, and he sure. looks, to, you know, like he could share, an, uh, you know, sort of uh, lineage, perhaps, with Cheech Marin, our yeah. heroic comedy toker duo, Cheech. Yeah. So he, yeah, but don't worry, because we got an old Cheech too. That's right. One of the, one of the, <laughs> I think this is what you're talking about. One of the elder statesmen, Jose Lothario. Don't worry, we got young Cheech and old. I'm going to see if Jeff remembers the connection here. Do you remember him, Jose Lothario? Yeah. No. So he was really famous in this area of the country, wrestled, I'm, I'm sure, in the 60s and 70s. Big star at one point, especially because he, he drew a lot of the, uh, if you're in Texas and those different regions, you know, a lot of their a lot of their fans are the Spanish-speaking, you know, Mexican, yeah. you know, people. And, uh, and so he had a huge fan base. So he popped back up in the WWF and was because he trained and was, quote unquote, the mentor for Shawn Michaels. So when Shawn Michaels finally gets his big baby face push where he gets the title off of Bret Hart for the first time, the first time he's ever the, you know, the boy or dream. That's his in his corner is Jose Lothario. Ah, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Who they dumped quite quickly because the as a good guy having this older man that most of the fans didn't really know who he was. You know, mm. the, the too big of the audience weren't like, who's that guy? They don't, you know, it wasn't like it wasn't like Bruno Sammartino coming down and they all know who he is. It's like uh, it's this famous wrestler who's not a famous wrestler. You know that kind of thing. Interesting. So, anyway, so that's what he is and where he, where he comes from. And then out comes David Von Erich. 
who's busy on this night. And the last one in the ring is Brian Adias, which is a sort of a family friend of the Von Erichs, a similar age to the boys. I guess probably was in school with one of them. So that's how he kind of got into wrestling and stayed around that territory for a long time. And I think a little bit further down the road, they actually really had to rely on him as a, you know, as like a top baby face and eventually like all good baby, he's got to turn, he's got to turn on the Von Erics cause they, they need some heat. <laughs> that's right. So, so I think that's where that all comes from. Fairly nondescript athletic. He looks, you know, yeah. uh, not huge, nope. but, uh, definitely in shape yep. and uh, mid sized, mid small kind that's of guy. Right. So we see uh, David at one point has climbed up to the top rope and he's checking the pole out. <laughs> he's yeah, he's point- testing it. And he's also pointing the money. He's yeah, pointing yeah. himself. Me, I'm yeah, 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 exactly. And yeah. I'm thinking, okay, so Dave's, but he's, <laughs> <laughs> Dave's going to go the distance, I'm thinking. So this match is really slow to start. There's a lot of, like, if this, the match starts and, like, nobody moves. <laughs> yeah, it's clumsy. And then, and then they kind of start falling into little clusters of people locking up and it pushing almost, each other against the ropes. For a second, it looked like, you know, Red Rover. They, they almost... Yeah, this, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the sea split. That's and right. And it was like, is that, like, heel face? Everyone's being very polite, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of what we're seeing for most of it, just typical struggling along the ropes, lots of punching. Early on during a double team, there's a funny missed chop where Dusik nails Irwin. It's really good. Irwin's yeah. holding open the guy, and then like the guy moves and he... <laughs> that's <laughs> funny good. bit. Yeah. <laughs> and then so like the guys that were teaming up on somebody have to go into the lockup. Right. I'll show you. That was good. <laughs> yeah, it was Mantel was the one who got out of there. <laughs> there's lots of standing around and guys just grimacing and vocalizing who are really just standing there, like nobody's doing anything to them, and they're going ah <laughs> There's like nobody touching them. <laughs> At one point, the comment Commentator even says, King Kong Bundy, just standing around. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of standing around. <laughs> so David, uh, skipping along, not really going to cover much of this sort of struggling going on. There's really not much to it. So David, though, gets the claw on Bundy. And this is like a big spot. He's got Bundy, you know, backed up over the ropes. And he's just holding on this claw and he won't let go. So suddenly Meg Sharp's over there and he lifts David's legs and dumps him out. First elimination. What the F? Yeah. I'm like, who wrote this? Like, crazy. Well, I'm like, I couldn't why believe would it. David Von Air go out first? Like, I was, maybe he just was out of gas. And yeah, he's <laughs> dad's 30, like, yeah, yeah. Six man tag. Yeah. No kidding. I, I was pretty shocked. Especially he was like climbing up the pole and being like, I'm going to win. Yeah. I was totally stunned. Oh, first really, man eliminated. I was, it was, I was just baffled. I was like, what? So there's a lot of like people like people like engage and then disengage. You know, like I'll walk up to Jeff and give him a punch and then I'll just walk away. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of that going on. For some reason, David's back up on the apron and he's just slugging it out with Dusek. It's like he's totally like, yeah. And he starts ramming his head into the turnbuckle from the outside. And, and it feels like three minutes later because like, yeah, David's yeah. Just, it's like, what are you still doing here? Totally. <laughs> the rest finally get him down and get him to leave. <laughs> and then there's this like trip on Bundy and about five guys pile on him that with this big team pin. And I mean, that's when I remember, oh yeah, you can pin a guy. But, and you can see the guy on top of the pile. He's looking over and he's waving over the ref, but the ref never gets there. No. And Bundy ends up looking like the Incredible Hulk because he goes, and he just moves and the whole pile like gets out of the way for him. Very good spot. And yeah, so it makes Bundy just look like a monster. I like that. So Bundy gets up just flexing and posing. So McGraw starts like forming him from behind, but Bundy just totally no-sells and just doesn't acknowledge it at all. And he walks across the ring, so he gets close to one side of the ring and he's still flexing for the crowd. And then up comes Bugsy McGraw with the drop kick. And Bundy takes a huge flop over the top rope to the outside, and then your second most favorite person to win this battle royal has now been eliminated as the second person to be eliminated. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> and it also, the, the drop kick was a little low. It was yeah, more exactly. like to the yeah. tailbone. I yeah, was like, exactly. does that even hit the thigh? You know? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. But Bundy feels it, and out he goes. Yeah. Too bad, because I love me that King Kong Bundy. 
I, I think he sounds so oh, fun. Yeah, he's yeah. like, Rawr! and, and, he's and like, in this match, he just was the clear, like he's just like a star, you know? And he's yeah. just like, oh my God, why would you put him out so quick? What's he's going your on? Andre. What the hell are you thinking? Yeah. So there's a chain of guys all grabbing each other from behind. It looks really funny. Like there's five guys in a row who all sort of have like a waist lock on each other. Like in it, <laughs> and they all push each other into one corner where one guy's waiting for these five guys coming at him. And then they all start punching each other. It's, it's a really weird little spot. I don't know what they're I doing. I didn't notice that one so Yeah, much. it's pretty funny. So then the spoiler out of nowhere pins Ben Sharp. We right, spoke, yeah, yeah. We get a three count. Boom, boom, boom. And then there's another group pin off camera. Like, and we don't even see, we're not even sure what's going on. And at that moment, Lothario and Checkmate are eliminated over the top rope. So the camera shows them they're already on the outside. So we're not sure who got pinned, but we heard the count. And we know two guys just got eliminated. So guys are flying out quick now. So we come back and it's Dusek arguing with the ref. We come back and it's Dusek who's arguing with the ref, but he's thrown over the top rope by Mantel. And suddenly all the wrestlers are on the right side of the ring. I don't know if you saw this, but it was like everybody's in about a five foot space, like in the one corner and along the ropes. And they're all just like, in, like they're all over on one side. It looked really funny. Hmm. I, I watched it, but that didn't yeah. stand out to me particularly. And out of this big pile of people, the spoilers dumped over the ropes. So, okay, here's another big giant guy like that, you know, could be the winner. But yeah, no, we gone. didn't get enough of the spoiler. Yeah, we didn't get to really see him do anything. Yeah, I don't, he, he finished, he, he did pull a finisher before that pin, but it was just, you know. Yeah, you didn't get a good look at it. Yeah, so too bad. That's a, that's a missed opportunity. I would have liked to have seen him, uh, you know, do some clobbering. That's right. So uh, Wild Bill Irwin tries this really big punch on Bugsy, but it's ducked and that's a backdrop. And so our long rider's out. So <laughs> it's kind of like we're going in reverse order. Like yeah. take the people we know the best and get them out first. <laughs> yeah, what the heck? <laughs> so then Mike Sharp whips Bugsy across the ring. This is really clumsy. And he does the slowest fall over the top ropes where he's like upside down on the outside doing like a handstand. Yeah. And then like they just walk up to him and give him a little push and he falls. He continues his way out very gently. <laughs> eliminated by Irish whip. He eliminates himself though because he like does. why doesn't he just bounce off the ropes like everybody else? Like, like why, yeah. why, why, did, why, did, he tip, why uh-huh. did he tip himself over the ropes? It doesn't look aye, anything aye. like that. Yep. Whoops. <laughs> I remember thinking that was pretty botchy. Yeah. So Bugsy's on the outside. He's trying to attack Mike Sharp from the floor, but with little effect. He's he's actually pulling on his hair at one point, trying to, you know, they're doing the rest spot with Sharp's arms around the ropes. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> and Bugsy's pulling on his hair. And it's like, yeah, it's not going to happen. The dragon, that's the magic dragon or whatever he's called, does a body slam on Adias, but he holds on for the inside cradle and the dragon is pinned. One, two, three. Crazy. Gone. So the final five are there now and they kind of space out and take stock of who's left and look around and see who, where are their allies and where are their foes. So Sharp and Mantell battle in a corner and Mike lands about 50 punches to the stomach. He's like, yeah, (laughs) machine gun punch. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really funny because this is where Almadrill comes out of nowhere and he hasn't really had much camera time as far as like I did, wasn't noticing him much on the match. But uh, here's the end here is where he gets to shine a little bit and be kind of funny. So he's got his own little special attack move. So he comes over and puts no, Iron Mike in a, it's, yeah, he puts him in a headlock and he goes like rapid fire, like 20 punches. It's really funny. He gets a big pop for it. Oh, they love it. They're like, they're super into it. So yeah, Mike comes out of that just doing some great staggering. So Steel Madrill are fighting near the ropes, and another errant punch leads to, to Steel being eliminated over the top rope. So it's another one of these thrown punches that doesn't work out, and they're dumped. Madrill goes for a repeat performance on Mike with a rapid punches, 
and Madrill pulls Adidas to one side to conference because now there's four of them. So basically, Madrill and Adidas are kind of like a team, and Mantell and Sharp are sort of like you know independent, yeah. you know, in their own corners. So I guess we never noticed what happened to Old Cheech. Do you remember how he got eliminated? Oh, you know, I missed it. He must have been dumped out when there was a pile yeah. of people against the ropes. You're right. Yeah, didn't really get to see him do anything. Or wait a minute, I never really identified who that pin was. There was that like right. off-camera pin. Just didn't get to see him do anything. Yeah, we'd have to go back and look to actually really I, see. I but you're right, he did nothing. Out of the corner of my eye, you know, it was like, oh, he's punching somebody. But yeah, the, yeah. You know, next thing you know, there'll be a camera switch. That's right. I want to see young Cheech versus old Cheech. That's right. So we're just looking for one more elimination here to get to this final three phase of the match and to get the pole match going. So Deez and Sharp lock up and Madrill and Mantel square off. So Mantel throws a Madrill over the top rope He's hanging on in a handstand position, but Mantel and Adias, who five seconds ago was his partner, come over and give him a push and knock him out. Yep. <laughs> Not very sportsmanlike there, Adias. <laughs> you stabbed your teach buddy in the back. Nasty. Or the stomach, or whatever you want to say. Yep. So this is where they're going to take a little break, and the ref stops the action. So we get an edit, and it's hard to make out, but someone is all in black, which turns out to be David Manning. He's scaled to the top of this pole to attach the check. And the first time I was watching it, I couldn't make out the body. I could just see this one little thing of white and something moving up and down on the pole. And I was like, what's Ninja. going on? <laughs> like, yeah, I finally realized it was a person. And I was like, oh, okay. So they get everything ready. So it's really, I don't know about you. I found it really funny. Once the match restarts, there's three men like Mexican standoff. They're all like, you know, ready to like face like, am I going to punch you or am I going to punch you? And then at the same time, they all realize that there's no need to fight. We're just going to go for the money. Yep. <laughs> so all three of them turn to the same corner, charge at it. And then it's like, I don't know, like. Pull, they're going for the money. Going yeah, yeah. The like it's like yep. Black Friday shopping or something like yeah. that. And they're just like, they're just constantly like there's one guy going up the pole and two guys pulling him down. Yeah. <laughs> and then somebody Pretty else funny. gets on top. So they're just kind of like continuing pulling each other down and yep. and hitting each other it's 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 pretty funny so it's a lot of like hugging and struggling and uh, sharp gets close to getting the money but and then adias gets close so they're, they're kind of taking turns of who's gonna maybe get the money so sharp then comes down and launches mantel over the opposite side of the ring over the top rope looks like he's eliminated him but aha he's on the apron he didn't go out so he's like not eliminated because you got to go to the floor not just over the top right rope. we don't have any skin the cat action no but... no 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 i don't think he's got that in him same result <laughs> That's right. So he's sneaking back in. And then shortly after that, Sharp does actually launch Adias over the ropes. Just throws him, chucks him, launches him. He goes flying over the top rope. Looks like it probably was a pretty rough landing. And so Iron Mike Sharp doesn't realize it. He doesn't. He thinks he's won the match because he's already eliminated the other guy who's not eliminated. And that guy is like, you know, Mantel's like almost all the way up the pole. Yeah. So it's great. So Sharp turns around and just like, and runs over. And there's this long struggle of like Mantel pulling himself towards the top and like pulling, you know, the way you scale up a pole. And Sharp's up there punching him and grabbing him and holding on to him. But eventually Mantel's able to use his foot to push Iron Mike Sharp off. Oh, oh great big bump. Yeah, spill. yeah, it takes a big bump. Oh, it's great. And yeah, and Mantel grabs the check and comes down, and he just runs around like a madman, like yeah. you know. And it's great because like you think Iron Mike Sharp's gonna like attack him, but he never does. And yeah, so <laughs> that's this ten thousand dollars on a pole battle royal match. Oh, great fun. I mean, it, yeah, it's very unique. Yeah, and totally. Lots but of you strangers. also see like you know you can kind of see maybe why the format didn't survive yeah <laughs> like, you know, didn't, but still i mean baffling the way like Corey said it was all it, reverse it, eliminations yep <laughs> strange yeah <laughs> still fun match It'd be like the 92 rumble and like let's get rid of 
Flair and Hogan and Sid and Macho Man. Yeah. And like, you know, <laughs> okay, we're going to get to the end. It's going to be Nasty Boy Knobs and, you know, like, it's like, what? Brooklyn Brawler. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so they do actually do a little bit of an interview. Mercer interviews Mantel. And, you know, this is where you really get a good look at him. It's like, he does not look like a wrestler. He just looks like, you know, random any guy. He could work any job. <laughs> the wrestler does not seem to be high up on the list of things you would guess that he does. And he asks him about what he's going to do with the money. And he says it's a great Christmas gift and for his family and all this stuff. And you can actually, because this is the last match of the night, you can actually see the crowds dispersing now. The lights are up and they're kind of ending the, ending things. So, yeah, this is this uh, unique battle royal that really didn't have too much storyline, obviously, going into it. But I think if it was on last, you know, I think that it's just, it was a silly, fun thing to, I guess, end the night on. Reminds me of the coal miners match because of the pool that we covered last week. That's right, yeah. Yeah, some strange booking, but entertaining. <laughs> For sure. Okay, next up on the card for us, in the order that we're going, is going to be the big man King Kong Bundy challenging for Kevin Von Erich's America's title. I didn't even know this belt existed. Yeah, I would always call it different things. Like I thought it'd be like the Texas heavyweight champion or this or that. But yeah, America's title. All right, time for a little bit of a mid-card correction section. Mid-card? Who you calling a mid-card? I'm a main eventer. I want to hear this jibber-jabber about being a prelim. Mid-card, you may be nothing. a main eventer in Fort Richmond, but over here in Transcona, your <laughs> first match. <laughs> Schooled. My God. He snaps back. He supposed to snap back. McMahon just takes it. That's right. <laughs> Who do you think you are? Okay, so funny enough, when you uh, get into a little bit older wrestling, and especially you have a territory that you didn't watch on a weekly basis, you, you'll get a few things wrong. So here, let's clear up a couple of things that have come up so far. So the oldest of the wrestling Von Eric brothers, and it is Kevin. It uh, was born in 1957, David in 1958, and then Kerry in 1960. Kevin's older? Yep, Kevin is the oldest. The Where eldest. are you getting these facts? Oh, you, you know. and your PR stooges <laughs> just trying to make me look bad. You're trying to take the stock down at Jeffrey the Body. Nope. <laughs> oh, Lordy. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we had a good chuckle right hell? before we hit record here again. That, that doesn't uh, make any sense to me. So in the Battle Royal, we do know that old Cheech... Uh, Lothario did get eliminated in a double elimination over the top rope one of the first ones and I even said it but Jeff had me cracking up with the old cheat stuff so I just completely forgot that I even said his name so we were like how did he get eliminated and I thought maybe he got pinned but no he was an over the top rope Right. The uh, the camera was not looking that way particularly no. uh, well. You, you do get to see him for a half a second outside of the ring, but it's yeah. just all, you know, it's, it's, an, it's a battle royal. It's a blur. Now we, now we find out this guy is a legend. Of course. And then let's get to the Mantell. So, the well, you know, Izzy Dutch Mantell's brother relative doesn't look like it at all. He did have a wrestling brother named Johnny, but I didn't find out much about that guy. But yeah, it's interesting. This Ken Mantell is the one that was involved more in the office. He was the booker of their key years, their biggest, you know, their biggest success, world class. Well, no wonder he wins. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but. He actually, Bill Watts hires him away when he's trying to do his national expansion in 86. And so he pulls a bunch of world-class championship wrestling wrestlers over to the UWF, which makes a lot of sense because there's all these names. I'm like, oh yeah, those guys are all UWF guys too. So he actually goes into like competition against Fritz. And then when the UWF gets purchased by the NWA, by Jim Crockett, then he actually sets up a rival promotion 
in Texas going head to head with world class for a little while. So uh, Wild West Wrestling is like promoting shows in the same towns and same venue. You know, I'm not sure about the same venues, but competing with Fritz. And then in 88, they merged back together. Who would have been on these Wild West cards? Would Ken Mantell and <laughs> other guys. Yeah, he, he was able to pull in other you know talent, but he didn't he didn't do well for long because both you know the reason the UWF went down, the reason this area went down is like a bit of a you know economics, like you know things were going bad from the oil fields or whatever you know that area of the, of the country. So that industry's outlook for a few years definitely affected wrestling, and so they lost their crowds and uh, their ability to pay the bills, make the money. I see. Okay, what else we've got? Oh, okay, so the other Sharp brother. So I wanted to check into that. So I did find that Mike Sharp has an uncle named Ben Sharp, but he retired in the 60s. So I was like, meh. So then I went back and figured it out. Ben Sharp is an alias of a Kaniski, the son of Gene Kaniski. Oh, wrestling royalty. Yeah, Kelly Kaniski, and that he wrestled under both names. And yeah, Gene Kaniski, huge royalty there you know awa champion nwa heavyweight champion wrestled you know new york everywhere no one Canadian. i said he looked stiff didn't i say he looked stiff yeah kaniski's famously stiff you yeah ever read that like he just i think so yeah part of his like even in the wrestling magazines when they didn't really say the word stiff there yeah. was not a thing that they talked about <laughs> no exactly it's like that's like a peek behind the biz right yeah that's right but they gave this guy kaniski a, a, a reputation of like he's 70 years old and he'll still tear you apart <laughs> exactly and like he was like heel so yeah out of the business heel but that's right like yeah he was like a prototype kaniski yeah Okay, let's continue on with what we have of this card. So the next big thing is a big thing. It's a big man. Bundy. Yeah, I'm still thinking about Kaniski. Like, uh, how how do what I know if he's stiff? I guess that's all my impression from the magazines, right? So Right, yeah. And they don't talk in those terms. So I'm going to say before the buzzer gets me, I buzz you. <laughs> that maybe he was the safest, most gentlest guy in that's the right. business. <laughs> how would I know? I didn't yeah. really study his matches, but they really did. Um, the, Bill Apter that's made right. him like a, like a statesman senior, and they'd have him quotes. He would yeah, come in right, there yeah. and like, Gene Kaniski. Oh, I, you know what? I could be thinking about Killer Kowalski. Him too, yeah. I think I'm picturing Killer coming, Kowalski yeah. in my head. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. So I'm, I think that's who I've got in my brain is Killer Kowalski. Right. And everything still applies. Yeah. That I would have only read about these guys in the magazines. Yeah. And I don't know shit from Chinola. <laughs> unless I got it. But um, so Gene Kaniski, boy, I guess like everything I was just saying there, I don't, I don't really remember my perception of Kaniski. So, oops. Yeah. Anyway, point is, we're moving on to... Oh, you know what? Correction section. Let's keep going with that. Yeah. Okay, so I when I talked about Fritz being the AWA champion and having both versions of the belt, I, you know, confused us, rightfully so. And that all sounded familiar, but I was like, what exactly am I talking about? So, here we go. So, the Omaha World Championship. There was a splintering of the NWA Heavyweight Championship. Luthez loses to Eduardo Carpentier or whatever, the Canadian... And it's not recognized by most of the territories, so Thez stays champion. But this Omaha world title gets created, the splinter of it. And at some point, Fritz wins that. And he also wins, he beats Vern for the AWA title. So at one point, he's holding what's considered, you know, the Omaha world championship. This, like, sort of partial, let's call it NWA fractured title. And then he's got the AWA championship. 
And then when he loses the belt back to Vern, they merge them. So the Omaha World Championship and the AWA Championship become the AWA Championship. And then Omaha becomes a part of the circuit for I, I, the Yeah, Kanye's, I guess so. The, Prob- uh, yeah, I didn't read that part of it, but that would make sense. Just thinking, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah making exactly. a business deal, right? Yep. So they go Chicago, Winnipeg, and... Nebraska, Omaha, a bunch, bunch of different places there, but yeah, they, they, they got Nebraska, a, they, yeah, okay. they, had a, they had a pretty big, uh, you know, they had several states that were involved in their, okay. in, you know, and they eventually branched out west with like Denver and LA and stuff like that. But that's sort of a later iteration. But here in yeah. the '60s, you know, they sort of had their core areas. I, I would have to, I still don't think I've ever actually seen the listing of like when AWA shows started happening in Winnipeg. So probably not yet. I, I, it wasn't in the first couple of years. I don't think it took a few years for them to kind of branch up here. I'd have to go back and listen to an old episode of Legendary Wrestling Obsession to get my shit straight anyway. I'm just like, <laughs> and what happened when? And blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, yeah. ah, I guess you just go and listen I, to you it. You know, and I also want to caution, as I just, everything I just said uh, about, you know, the Omaha Championship and all that stuff, I have to be careful because, hey, where did I get that information? Online? And that's the same place that you'll find the incorrect information about, like, ah, it you comes know, back to me. About Vern Gagne not, not being the first champ when he was. So, you know, Pat O'Connor's listed almost everywhere as right. the first AWA champ. Do you remember what, epi- not- what episode we went into detail? Yeah, we edited it back into the roughly our AWA like growing up AWA right. episode. So it's out there. Yeah, well, and it's quite detailed. Corey gave a very good explanation of how it all went down. So we'll. I won't ask him to do it again no. now. <laughs> I'll just go listen to an old episode. The only point being is that yeah, if anything isn't correct about Fritz and the Omaha and the AWA and all that stuff, it's like, well, we found it online. And what are you going to do? You know, we're countering misdisinformation here because right. Corey had a guy with the programs. And so yeah, there's a guy George, with documents. Shire is basically very well known. He's written, you know, he's written books and stuff. And he's, he's uh, got the documents to prove pretty much what the yeah. Draper man says. So check I'll, it out. I'll at least say that's his opinion. And I'll go by his opinion more than people that just cut and paste. Cause when I say it's listed wrong, almost everywhere, it's literally worded, listed word for word wrong. You know, every, everywhere I look, it's the same exact copy of like, of, you know, same paragraph or whatever. So, yeah, lazy so if, the, if the mistake was made once, it's, it, it carries across because they're obviously just using the same the same text. Check out our archives. We have lots of different topics, lots of different information. It's interesting and historical. And you can go and find that here at Podbean or your local podcast player. Of choice, yeah. Apple, Spotify, all those, all those things. Okay, so let's get back to Bundy. And in this card, he's facing Kevin Von Erich. The oldest... Von Eric. That's right. <laughs> I never said nothing about anything. You can't prove it. <laughs> Unless you go to our archives. <laughs> Earlier this episode. No. <laughs> All right. Oh, no, no. That's the worst. That's the worst place it can be. Okay. Well, he's still my favorite, Von Eric, and you can't take... No, you can't take that away from me. Bow, bow, bow. I like Kevin the best, and... Um, I don't mean to be disrespectful to anybody, but just yeah, he's he's the um, the wrestler that because uh, you know we we had to go back and discover these guys after the fact for sure, and it was all about Carrie until I took the time to go and and have a look, and then I was like, no, it's all about Kevin. <laughs> he's the best. He's the oldest. Yeah, and reportedly the one that hits the hardest. <laughs> wow, he's very stiff and rough in there. And his boys are making uh, making the big time a little bit. They've been wrestling independently for a really long time and in different promotions. Oh. I don't know all their stories, but he's got two, you know, young ripped yeah. athletes. They look the part. And the AEWs, you know, they're doing a show. They've got one of their weekly TV shows coming up. And 
in Texas. <laughs> so the wow. Von Erichs are coming back to Texas. Oh, man, that's, you know, you, I almost want to just see him. Yeah, yeah I, tune think in. This, I think it's this coming I, Wednesday from when we're recording. So I, I haven't been watching much the last half a year or a year I or so. I confess, so. I Googled Kevin Von Erich and I couldn't resist watching a clip of him and his boys in the ring just because yeah. there's so much sadness around the stories. How, right. how could I not want to see Proud Papa yeah. with his you know sons in there and uh, long live the Von Erichs? They've suffered enough any happiness that, that you know he can have and his kids can have and that yeah. they can bring to other people is wonderful. For sure. Kevin Von Eric, I think, I wish he'd gotten a crack at the world title. I know he, wait, sorry. He definitely I wish, had his shots at it. But you're, Yeah, he, that's he, not he what I meant. actually holding it. <laughs> I sure did, yeah. That's yeah. exactly what I'm talking about. And I like his barefoot style. I like his look. He looks to me like... Your average denizen of Mount Olympus, as yes, opposed right. to Carrie Von Eric. Yeah, oh, yeah. there's Hercules, and yeah. he's bigger and puffier than everybody. Yeah, 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 but yeah. all the rest of the people hanging out, you yeah, know, yeah, the messenger perfect. of the gods, you know, <laughs> yeah. just your, even Mars, you know, yeah. like is, you know, they just got these. That's right. That's what. That's where Kevin comes in. <laughs> so he looks like a statue. He wrestles barefoot. Uh, he doesn't have. He's got one knee pad. And you actually, yeah. I don't know if it's even a pad or just a brace because yeah. it's so kind of like discreet and, and like you can barely see it. Right. Anyway. A uh, knee sleeve maybe. Yeah. Like a sleeve. Otherwise, no elbow pads yeah. and just uh, wrist around his tape. And he wears a cape to the ring. I, I never really uh, saw any much gear. That's right. And uh, it's gold on the inside and white on the outside. It's floor length and it's got a hood and, you know, it's... Yeah. Um, for what it, you know, it's a bit of bling, but I, the first time I ever really noticed Kevin Von Erich with any ring gear, and so it wasn't something, I mean, just, it's so associated with Macho Man, right? Right, yeah. And like with Kevin, not at all, you know, <laughs> what he wears <laughs> to the ring. But he also has- Hey, sir, are you, you actually into the match now? No. Okay, good, good. Talking okay. about looks. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I meant to, like, are you on the current match, the, the path to like, because we have some pre-roll, let's say, of, of the Von Erich I suppose stuff. I was. Okay. Getting ready to call the match. Yeah. So before we, before I'm going to interrupt Jeff and, and put it back in. <laughs> so, um, fine. I admit it. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so we did look back because I was trying to figure out a few things and we actually came across a match that basically set up this match. So it's the non title match that King Kong Bundy has on syndicated te- television against Kevin Von Erich. And, you know, let's just skip right to the end because there's something really crazy that happens. It's really great. I, I, you can take back over here, but like, you know, there's, the end of that match is pretty spectacular. Right. Okay. Well, I'm going to need a little bit of help because it is very rare to see a Von Erich with his shoulders to the mat and, and just basically lose the match. But yeah. It's not a clean pin, but it's like, it's gray. Clean enough. <laughs> exactly. It's gray. It, it clean enough. Okay. I, I grant you that. Yeah. The actual, so Yeah. Bundy beats Von Erich in a clean enough pin, but can you please give the details? Okay, yeah, sure. So there's a there's a spot in the match where they're coming out of the corner. Bundy's able to, I believe, reverse an Irish whip and redirect it. And it's one of these jobs where, like, all of a sudden, the referee's in the line of fire. And this is David Manning. And this is spectacular. We've seen a lot of ref bumps, but this one is just insane. He goes backwards, like, head over tea kettles. Like, he hooks his arm perfectly on the top rope. And I, I believe this guy did some wrestling in his day. So, like, Had to you know... And he just, it looks devastating. He gets, so Kevin gets whipped into the ref. The ref takes the bump of the ear over the top rope. It looks, you know, crazy. This would paralyze a normal civilian. Yeah, exactly. And the camera kind of follows the ref, of course, because, I mean, how can you not? So when you come back, Bundy's like kind of ambushed Kevin from behind, and then he illegally throws him over the top rope to the outside to the wood or whatever floor, 
And as Kevin's coming back up to the apron, you know, Bundy goes to grab him. I'm imagining all of these reversals and counters, but no, there's a suplex back to the inside. And then the ref crawls back in and Bundy covers him. And those are one, yeah. two, three. Yeah, and his, le- his legs are kind of flailing, trying to kick, but, yeah. you know, not really. Very rare, but yeah. I like it, you know, because you don't get much drama if your heroes are invincible and, yeah. you know, completely, uh, you know, I'll be making a reference to the health bar. Kevin's always got his health bar in mind, like where Ultimate Warrior is you know, always at 100% health. <laughs> no matter what, right? Sometimes 92. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, he might take some beatings, right? But then when he comes back, it's, you know, he's at 92% health, the ultimate order, yeah. you know? And uh, Kevin is great at showing that he's been in, in a contest, in a match. He's taking yeah, damage. for sure. And so this is a brilliant example of the health bar. Yeah, You know, he gets sure. thrown on the top rope and then suplex back in, the health bar's gone. <laughs> you know, but that wasn't illegal throw over the top rope is all I'm saying. That's right. Clean enough. So I do want to clarify, this This was, could have been part of the correction section, but since we were going to keep talking about Bundy, I wanted to save it for now. So I'd kind of misstated the whole haircut thing, and we were making fun of Bill Mercer because he's his odd choices of calls make, you know, it's like, how can you believe anything he says? <laughs> That's right. You have no credibility. <laughs> That's right. So it was not, Bundy did not lose his hair in the Fritz retirement match. That's not where he lost his hair. He lost his hair reportedly in a hair versus hair match versus Kerry Von Erich. Okay. You know, in between. So, but one of the neat things with Bundy is that Gary Hart, again, this manager that I like a lot, I don't know if Jeff really knows him as much as I do, but he was the one that kind of went after Bundy to bring him in. So apparently Bundy was wrestling as Big Daddy, like kind of making reference to the the English wrestler. Right. Big Daddy, but then the other part of it, the Bundy literally came from like a serial killer, Ted Bundy. Like, you know, so they were kind of mixing these two things together. So he was starting off as Big Daddy Bundy. And, but he was actually more of a jobber. But Gary Hart saw him and was like, oh, I can do something with this guy. I know I can make him into a monster. So they, they called Eddie Graham, who they're good friends with, you know, made a deal, got this guy that wasn't being really used properly, <laughs> brought him over, changed his look, and and put him into the Bundy character, brought him as a baby face, let him, let him have a turn on the, on the Von Erichs, get the heat, and then you get your stadium show against Fritz. So... But this is where he loses his hair, and it's another wrestler. I've, his name escapes me now. It's not really important, but Gary Hart referenced, like, when they shaved his head, they decided, like, hey, also do his eyebrows because his other wrestler had done that look, and he looked really scary. And because of Bundy's, like, skin complexion and just overall general look, like, he looks scarier without the eyebrows than with him, you know? Like, if it's, you know, which is crazy to say, but, you know, that's where that all kind of came from. So this is how we get this big feud between Bundy and the Von Erics that it's all through this year. Very good. Yeah, Bill Mercer is not to be trusted. (laughs) Well, okay, so uh, we are going to cover, we are going to give a a very nice lengthy look at uh, defense. The other thing that Kevin Von Erich wears is a championship belt, and it's called the American Championship. And to be honest, they didn't push it in the magazines, so I didn't know. Yeah, I, th- I think that they would. You sometimes see it in the, you know, in brackets beside a guy's name in the top ten or something like that. And they was, I always. Well, I'm drawing really a yeah, blank on. Yeah, I this. always thought that it was like there was like a Texas heavyweight championship, and then you know, and then they just then they just you know obviously were part of the NWA, so they were always vying for the NWA World Championship, but that wasn't the regional championship. But then the America's title, so that's where I'd have to go look it up and see is like is the America title just what they were calling the Texas Heavyweight Championship, or is it literally two? Is it sort of like your world and U.S. champion or, you know, world and intercontinental champion was world-class championship wrestling, Texas and America? <laughs> well, I was taking it in for what felt like the first time. Yeah. As, uh, but then again, 
It's Bill Mercer talking. (laughs) (laughs) And actually, I also didn't get a great look on it. There wasn't a pause-worthy frame to be like, oh, let's have a look at this belt. So, uh, you know, it's always interesting because, I mean, there are literally dozens of belts out there, you know, uh, with with different colored leather and different colored metal. And so here's one that really I just didn't even know existed. I, I, uh, I feel like... Jerry Lawler had his belt that he was trading, (laughs) you know, with everybody. And then he would go for the big belt, right? And that was always clear that, but not so much in in world class. Like I I didn't, like, just like Corey said, I didn't know that they had, what, I didn't know that they had their local champ and then he was called the American Championship. Yeah. If that's the case, but it does make sense. Yeah, of course. So strange that the wrestling magazines didn't really push that the way that some other places you know had that anyway great context and setup from Corey on this match here tonight i do notice that we have a description from the ring announcer he says that it's the fabulous kevin von eric <laughs> and i just think there's too much fabulous going on around here you said that yeah because <laughs> we know that they're the fabulous Freebirds, and yeah. i think they said it earlier too yeah fabulous kabuki <laughs> fabulous kabuki too much fabulous <laughs> The fabulous ones were near, like, too many fabs. Sorry, yeah. we got to stay in the AWA. So the match begins with Kevin doing something kind of odd. He does these big vertical jumps, you know, like he's shooting hoops kind of thing. And he tries yeah. to and he tries to scuff the back of, like, Bundy's head, you know, like a, a <laughs> lunging sideways scuff, like, odd. Like, what, what are you hoping to gain there? Because it's not even a, a hook to yeah, pull yeah, him yeah, in. Yeah, it's yeah. just kind of a jump up and... Uh, he does it a couple of times, and but then again, you know, here's this athlete jumping up and down and getting air, and it really does have a David against Goliath look. But I mean, he's not really David; he's he's 240 pounds, but he, you know, right. Bundy's 450 is the thing. So he dwarfs Kevin, but Kevin, you know, is this this dictionary definition of athlete. And even that's what Mercer's saying. He can do it all. He can wrestle. He can yeah, yeah, yeah. Play this. Oh, can... I would say Bundy looks like he's probably you know down 30, 40, 50 pounds from the you know, but like still huge, obviously. Like right. any, even he's four hundred. It doesn't really matter. But but I did notice sort of a flatness to him. Let's say that he you know compared to his eighty five con- walking condominium look. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's fair. So a collar and elbow when it finally happens results in them jockeying for the supremacy and uh, Kevin can't overpower Bundy, but he does manage to uh, actually get Bundy backed in the corner and uh, he doesn't waste any time. He climbs up to the second rope and shows the crowd what he's going to (laughs) do. He brandishes that claw and the crowd's like, "Ah!" oh, it's just awesome. They're already so excited, Uh, but they are in the corner and that's That's illegal. Can't do that. So the ref comes in and actually grabs his arm. And uh, I, I probably said it before. I love how Bundy sounds. He's got, yeah. he's got great args. You know, <laughs> he's a wonderful the vocalization, you know, and and the storytelling of the match. So uh, of course, uh, Kevin is not allowed to use the claw, and it's too early anyway. So we, if you thought that was happening, folks, you, <laughs> I got a bridge to sell you, some swampland to sell you over in in Graham territory, <clears throat> the Florida. So, referee grabs Kevin Von Eric's arm, as I said. Bundy has a great, shut your mouths to the crowd. <laughs> as they're cheering on their Texan hero, the American champion. Kevin gets a side headlock onto Bundy and manages to turn that into a takedown. Now, Bill Mercer actually scores a rare win here, and he calls it a side mare. That's a yeah. much neater way to say hot side headlock takedown. Yeah, yeah. Side mare. It's perfect because it's like a flying mare or, you know. Snap mare, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so a mare is just to kind of like grab the guy around his neck somehow and take him to the mat. Yeah. Cool. 
Sounds very legit. They're already resting, but don't worry. It's a great match. It's, it's okay. Um, Bundy, who's the victim of this, you know, side headlock, is on the mat and he grabs Kevin's hair for a roll up and a pin. But of course, if you're grabbing hair, that an astute ref like David Manning is uh, going to see through that ploy. So it doesn't work. And then Bundy shows some of his wrestling talent and skill. He very quickly puts a head scissors on Kevin out of oh, nowhere. Yeah. And uh, it results in the, ask him, Riff, ask him. He's squeezing that head. And it's funny, actually, Bill Mercer, if you can find the clip, it's uh, it's kind of good. He scoffs at the idea. Kevin, give up to a side headlock. Scissors, <laughs> never. <laughs> so that's fun. Ask him. Ask him to submit, never. Kevin Von Eric will do many things, but he'll not submit. Look at that tremendous move up. Kevin twists and turns in this headlock and this leg scissors that's squeezing down those huge thighs, squeezing poor Kevin's head. And he manages to like what looks like the last moment of a pile driver. He's actually fully upside down. Oh, wow. And it, it looks like a freeze frame of the most devastating pile driver you've ever seen. But this is how he kind of finally wiggles his way out of these head scissors. Yeah. That when Bundy gets to his feet. Kevin's already locked and loaded and delivers a big drop kick, which Bundy doesn't like. So he's like, Manning! Ah, he's giving Manning the referee shit for Kevin Von Erich's drop kick. It's great. Bundy's so fun. He's like, you know, I didn't realize how much I think he's, he's just wonderful. Bundy, as they're going for a collar and elbow, really quickly grabs Kevin's wrist and turns it into an arm bar. Very cat quickness on Bundy and drives him to the mat. Now, this looks like painful. Yeah. And he's just putting all his weight, and Kevin's now on the ground, chest first, but his arm is back behind him, you know, this arm bar. It looks good. Yeah. Bundy turns it into a hammer lock. It's very believable. You know, he's like, he's had enough! He's had enough! <laughs> no! Says Kevin Von Eric. And so it becomes a hammer lock, and then Bundy does the whole, like, raises up that heavy body of his and drives his knee mm. into the back. I mean, these moves, they just look great. These Both of these guys are so talented, and simple moves are looking awesome. So he's grinding poor Kevin into the center of the ring. Uh, but really, they're actually having a bit of a rest. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent work for uh, taking a breather. Ke- the crowd is rallying. Go, Kevin, go. Go, Kevin, go. So he manages to eventually do a bunch of kind of cool, you know, switch catch wrestling where, you know, suddenly things happen so fast. It's like a quick change. You know, like, you're kind of like, how did that actually work? But like, you know, suddenly one guy's moving and arms are changing and people are <laughs> switching positions. And like, what? He reversed it, you know, but... And really, like, why did that? You should, you should, you should have him, really. You had him, didn't you have him? <laughs> anyway, so um, uh, there's all, I mean, like, when people are doing the reversals of arm reversals, you're, it's sort of like, that wouldn't happen in real judo. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. like, nope, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. But in the middle of the ring, yeah. it's all this fast moving, you yeah, know, right. jib jabba, and it looks great. So Kevin uses that to get out of this hammer lock. Bundy obliges. And next thing, Kevin's able to deliver another fantastic drop kick. But as Kevin gets up before he delivers a drop kick, he's nursing his arm. Right. He's always got that health bar in mind. Yeah. So he's like hurt. And the other thing is that Kevin often, he doesn't stand squared off to you. He stands like a guy who's ready to deliver a karate kick. You know, Kevin, like, you know, basically like, how are you going to grab him? Because he's already angled, you know, at you. And he looks like Bruce Lee sort of when his body position does, he does deep squats, you know, and just looks like ready. It's, It's coiled spring. Not sort of like just standing there like, do we wrestle now? (laughs) (laughs) He always looks so present in the ring, Kevin. 
So Kevin delivers a couple of fists and a, and a huge leap, uh, kind of a bionic elbow, but a jumping one, you know, and that yeah, comes down. Yeah, I know down, which one you mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, n- not that common. And they look fantastic. Every muscle's showing on Kevin Von Erich's body. It's almost the Brian Adias elbow, because he was doing that in the Battle Royal. He did a couple of those, that type of Kevin Von Erich elbow, okay. jumping up and driving it down. Yeah. My introduction to Brian Adidas, he had yeah. a pretty decent physique too. Not not Kevin Von Erich, but like, yeah. uh, he, he looked quite athletic. Yeah. Kevin charges across the ring to drive his shoulder into that massive midsection of Bundy, but Bundy has the foresight to get his knee up and he, no, his boot, boot to the gut. So now it's time for Bundy to take advantage of the walking condominium and it's heel town. So he throws Kevin to the floor, much like how he got that mostly clean, clean enough win. So this has worked for him before. We get apron attack where Kevin is trying to recover from, you know, the damage that one takes when, when you hit the floor. Oh, by the way, I looked it up. People have been using cement and concrete interchangeably for years. So I won't bust poor, poor Corey on that anymore. <laughs> it's like, you know, back in the day, it was interchangeable. However, cement is an ingredient in concrete. But, you know, uh, we don't need to be too picky. <laughs> so Kevin's circling the ring, trying to get in. And this sheriff-looking guy, uh, I, he caught my attention. I think he's a promoter, yeah, but yeah, we're not sure where how he works for the company and who he is. And I'm not sure. I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of people would look at him and go, "Oh, we know who that guy is." Yeah, he, cowboy hat. He's sitting right at ringside, like on at the table with the ring announcer. You know, sitting right beside him. Yes, and he will be escorting Bundy to the dressing room later, so he's yeah, he's yeah. in the know. Yeah, whoever he is. Kevin is trying to get back in the ring, kind of doing laps, you know. He has oh, to that's break. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bunny doesn't want to let him in. That's so right. He's like, that's right. And it's kind of funny because uh, Bill Mercer's like, not there. And Kevin tries like two or three attempts <laughs> to get in. Like, and uh, finally, he builds up enough speed that he gets under the ring and Bunny's coming for him. He catches up. But Kevin's already launched a shoulder through the second and third ropes into Bundy's gut and of course this is an opportunity to do a sunset flip of course so I'm thinking is this going to be the MAGA TA finish yeah yeah you know? yeah, yeah and then we get this hilarious Bundy tries to grab the rope but he yeah. instead he just ends up like flailing and slapping that top rope like <laughs> as he's trying to grab the top rope looks hilarious yeah goes over for the sunset flip but the match isn't over so Bundy's manages to kick out at two Kevin has cobwebs because you know he got thrown over the top rope remember he gives a couple of big knees to Bundy. Another mare sets up Bundy on his back and Kevin comes in for the iron claw. But Bundy is able to throw up his forearm and block it. Yeah. And, you know, growl and, you know, bark. However, it does result in a two count because Bundy's shoulders are on the mat. He finally gets free by raking Kevin's eyes. And this gets the action back onto their feet. Bundy hits Kevin. There's an Irish whip, an elbow, and Kevin drops. He sure has taken a beating. Um, He's getting clubbed by Bundy, kicked by Bundy, but then Kevin is able to rally. The crowd goes wild as once again Kevin brandishes that deadly weapon that only the Von Erichs have, and he applies the claw to Bundy. Mm -hmm. He clamps it on that head, and Bundy looks like he might get counted, but it's only a one count because his foot is under the rope. Right, yes. So this obliges a break, of course. So... Kevin's a law-abiding Von Erich. <laughs> he breaks the Iron Claw. The Mercer is talking about how he could, you know, switch it up to the the stomach. He's like, well, maybe he might, you know, if Bundy's a... Maybe he can just try a different, that different target. Yeah, yeah. Our Von Raschke only goes for the forehead. <laughs> Kevin climbs up to the top rope. Who knows, maybe a missile drop kick. 
I'm not quite sure. Actually, it looks like he's going to come down with a forearm, but Bunny sees him coming. So he pulls David Manning into oh. the way. Yeah. Of course, if you ask Bill Mercer, Manning stepped into the way there. <laughs> stepped. Stepped right in there. Voluntarily. And uh, Manning takes another bump, but he's got some training so he can, uh, he can safely. Absorb it. <laughs> yep. But since he gets hit, Bundy goes back to his number one tactic. He throws Kevin over the top rope. And on to Sheriff Mark. And well, That's we don't right, know what yeah. his name is now. But yeah, anyway, yeah. Sheriff doesn't even uh, flinch. The, there are two guys in tuxedos that are running away. These yeah, are, yeah. The monkey suits, whoever, yeah. They flee. But the sheriff, he's just cool as a cucumber. He just <laughs> picks up Kevin, gets him straight. The guy's got big gold rings, too. Okay. I think he's a promoter. Anyway, he helps Kevin to his feet, gets back into the ring. It isn't long before we see the move that crushed Hulk Hogan and led us uh-huh. to WrestleMania 2. Bundy whips Kevin Von Erich into the corner and stands back, prepares to charge in with a crushing avalanche all the way from Alaska. But David Manning actually has had enough, and he grabs Kevin by the wrist. Yes. And just before Bundy closes in and crushes Kevin's ribs, David... Manning pulls Kevin to safety and Bundy crashes into the corner. Nobody's home. (laughs) And then Kevin gets his arm raised. A brawl ensues and we understand that Bundy's been disqualified. We will hear the announcer say that it was because Bundy pulled Manning into Kevin's assault from the top rope, to which Bill Mercer's like, no, 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 he stepped. <laughs> a brawl breaks out. Yeah, he actually, he gives the, a second reason why Bundy would be DQ'd. And then when he finally hears the ring announcer clarify, he actually has to like go back and say, well, he could have been disqualified for both. Right. <laughs> that's correct. Because Bundy does do the over the top rope, which is illegal. So Manning thinks that's the reason, but it gets, right, he yeah. gets yeah. You know, shown, but he gets shown the true way yeah there is a brawl in the ring because kevin is still you know fighting nobody bleeds we've had a lot of blood lately a drop kick sends bundy to the floor and then he gets an escort from the the tan suit sheriff to the dressing room (laughs) and then as kevin kevin's the one who needs an escort because there's women trying to hug him you know they're all trying to call her an elbow all the ladies in the ring are trying to call her that's right yeah we have on eric's as they make their way to the dressing room yeah Anyway, great match. I uh, think that uh, Bundy sounds great. And, and not, not a botch. Not one botch. Right. Man, and uh, I just think that Kevin should have been the uh, the golden child, if you ask me. <laughs> and uh, Bundy, I'm glad that he had his moment. I just didn't realize how uh, what a high level a match matches are when he's in them. Like right. yeah. when he was in them with the Bulldogs, you know, like yeah, yeah. I didn't realize how much of that is this. Awesome King Kong Bundy. That's right. Yeah. You know, Stud was not as good. I, I don't. He I wasn't just, as, he wasn't as athletic as uh, Bundy. No. No. And you know, kind of just a lot slower and a more plodding. Maybe I didn't see early Big John Stud. Yeah, I think if we were going to look in seven, you know, late seventies Stud as opposed to nineteen eighty-five or six Stud. But let's talk about persona in the ring. You know, yeah. like Stud was mute. Yeah. In the ring and not good at like, oh, I'm in pain. You know, like that claw's killing me. The claw, you know, I, I you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, so Bundy outclassed him hugely, Stud and Bundy, that tag team. Like Bundy was, and he wasn't as hammy as Michael Hayes. Like Michael <laughs> Hayes is overdoing it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Not leaving a lot of room for anybody else to, like, you know. <laughs> He's already got it fifth gear. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's like you got to you first, second, third, <laughs> fourth. I mean, Michael Hayes doesn't do that forever. He just did it in the match that we called today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it was that that un- uncomfortable, like, hey, we're supposed to be the top babyface's best friend, so I've got to be a top babyface. Yep. 
That was lots of fun. Star Wars, Bundy versus Von Erich. Right on. Okay, well, one more Von Erich brother to go with a big night. And there's lots to talk about in terms of like a little bit of the setup. Again, we didn't go back and review all of the months of shows that really did lead into this, but we can touch on it a little bit. So we will do that now. I think the late 70s run of the you know von eric boys up until let's say about 84 was like the perfect encapsulation of the territory days and how it worked and how they could string along a story for years of wrestlers in a territory working their way towards this shot this once in a lifetime opportunity against the nwa world champion be it harley race rick flair and all the people that came before them the dory funks and you know briscoes and everybody and it was just they were able to get so much mileage out of this fan base that so desperately wanted this family to win this world title and could see it coming they could taste it you know and they and they were smart about it i think i mentioned already they gave david von eric a televised win over harley race in st louis which was really just at the time was sort of the you know the central point of the of the NWA and really showcased him of like made him you know like it was he was a made man like in the mob or something right he's he's gonna be champ and that's why people would say that you know they thought he was because they went out of the way to you know to put that in you know on paper you know not paper but like in reality they actually to show that on TV was a big deal and I think the success in, of world class championship wrestling that that area. A huge part of it was that connection to the NWA. And down the road, they're actually going to break apart from the NWA and not recognize the NWA title anymore. And that's, you know, at a point when Fritz realizes that, well, we're never really going to get the belt. <laughs> you know, like what we just had, that that little like cup of coffee, <laughs> that's going to be it. And that and the fans basically, I think, were at that point also realizing like, oh, I can't keep coming back to see Kevin or Kerry try to win the belt for the 25th time because it, it's always promised and never happens. And when it finally did happen, it was yanked away so quick that it wasn't, hmm, it wasn't as enjoyable as you thought it would be, you know, like the moment of glory of winning that title, but didn't well, keep it very long. Correct. However, it seemed to me in keeping uh, with these other brief guys, like Tommy Wildfire Rich, former NWA World Heavyweight Champion. I'm like, he was, <laughs> you know, and uh, yes, he was, but uh, he was not for very long, you yep. know, and so when Kerry gets his three weeks, you know, and yeah. loses it, I'm like, oh, I guess that's how they do it. Dusty Rhodes just won. He's only going to have it for th- six weeks or whatever. Yeah, it's very short, yeah. That, to me, I didn't realize, and quite frankly, it's hard to know to what degree Kerry and his issues of, you know... That's a huge part of it, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, suppose he'd been perfect. Like, would they have changed their style? I think to to a degree, I think that he might have been worthy of a, you know of a longer run because they're worried about him not making his dates, you know, like yeah. <laughs> sending, sending him out on the world to tour was like the idea of like, Oh boy, how are we going to babysit this kid? Alas, it's true. You know, maybe they would have given him a year long run, which would have satisfied Fritz perhaps. Yeah. yeah. Or even just, you know, even if it was six months, like it's such a big difference. Like six months would have been enough time to have several high profile defenses where he wins in different air, big markets and then, so if he had to lose back six months later, he's already established something. When he did it the way he did it, it was like there wasn't even time to 
Ravel, to be the champ. Yeah. You know, he was like, "That's a good point." Yeah, it was like, we, like you said, by the time we found that he was champ, he'd already lost it. You know, <laughs> as in same with Dusty, yeah, right? Exactly, you know, yeah. of course, uh, I wasn't as fluid with the knowledge of NWA when Kerry did win his belt, but yeah. I was paying careful attention when Dusty won the belt right, through yes. magazines. Yeah, for sure. But it certainly seemed that Kerry was the special one when I started looking at oh, yeah, the magazines absolutely. because he was the one who actually got even a brief. But, you know, he was the Von Erich who won the world championship. Exactly, yeah. So this whole match, it's Christmas Star Wars, is this ongoing continuing storyline, and it's going to flow back to the summer of 82 at a different Star Wars event where there was a best two out of three falls match, which we're going to talk about in a second. We're going to see the highlights of that match. But there's then there's more to the story because, and it's funny because not that long after this, about a year after this, there's going to be a bounty line storyline on Ric Flair <laughs> that Harley Race puts on Ric Flair. But a year earlier, it's Ric Flair putting the bounty on Kerry Von Erich. And it's Ooh. interesting because he, he puts it out there and he basically pays off Gary Hart and Kabuki. And he almost admits to it on TV. He won't full, uh, fully cop to it, but he'll like he'll leave it gray, <laughs> whether he did or didn't pay off Kabuki to injure Kerry. But they also say the reason for part of that storyline ends up being is because Kerry has real knee injury at the time, like, you know, earlier in, let's say, in the fall or whatever. So they're using this this TV injury to, you know, storyline to do that. So I tried to go and figure out exactly when it was that Kabuki injured him, and I it's it's always just reference, but without any specific date. And I, I went back through some of the syndicated shows. I found a match of Kabuki versus Kerry Von Erich on World Class Championship Wrestling from like, I think it's like September of 82, maybe October, sometime in there. And it's interesting because the match is over in like 15 seconds. <laughs> Kabuki cheats, goes to the top rope, and then Kerry comes over and like does like the press slam off the top rope, except for he holds onto him and power slams him. But it's a weird power slam. You know, it's not like he doesn't catch him and spin him power slam. It's like he walks up to him, starts to throw him, and then goes, I'll just fall on top of him and pins him for three in like 15 seconds. And I watched through the end of that, and that's not where he gets injured. <laughs> mm. So that was interesting. I wasn't able to find the carry injury. I was able to find him squashing Kabuki. <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't getting that booking, but. Um, interesting. Yeah. yeah. And just for a second, talking about the show, like, and we talked about this before. Like, far as I can tell, I don't see any enhancement matches on these shows. It's just, like, straight up what they got. You know, they got a they got a smaller roster than, like, a big WWF or NWA or probably even AWA, but they just rotate those guys, and they're on TV, and we're seeing, you know, match after match after match of, like, you know, what seems like the top talent fighting each other back in the early 80s. It seems so foreign to what, you know, our experience and the you know and I think what a lot of territories had, which was a more of a infomercial to get people to go to the arenas by showing them squash matches. Well, whenever I think that maybe I'm a little overindulged, spoiled, all the rest, I think no, I was not when it comes to wrestling. I <laughs> was deprived. <laughs> That's right. Maybe in these other ways, but no, when it came to wrestling, I knew I knew want. I knew hunger. <laughs> I could taste those big time matches. That's right. <laughs> that everybody else was getting for nothing. Yeah. All the time. So one of the neat things is we'll we'll jump into this review of this match. Uh, and what I mean is the best two out of three fall summer match that kind of sets this up. And then because that leads to a promo we're going to talk about right before the actual big match. <laughs> <laughs> 
So we get Bill Mercer introducing a package from that last title match. It's at best two out of three falls, and we're joining things in progress, and it's tightly edited together, so we're just bouncing from, like, exciting clip to exciting clip. It's not like, not, we're not watching some five-minute highlight or something. It's, it's, so it's choppy, so it doesn't 100% make sense, but it does make you very excited to see this I, wrestling. I, I think I would have liked the five-minute clip, too. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, yeah. If it was a 25-minute, you know, three-fall yeah. match, right? Like, the yeah. five-minute version probably would have been awesome, you know? That's but, right. But this is even quicker. So here we are. It's the first fall, keep in mind. And we, we see the ref is down. He's down and out. And basically, what we're watching is that we think, from based on the commentary, because it's coming in a little bit choppy, that the ref has been knocked out from a discus punch. Now, what I couldn't tell was, did Kerry accidentally punch the ref, or did Kerry hit Flair and Flair hit the ref? You know, ref. Did he, did he, was a ref bump off of some other type of attack? Hard to say. Which is perfect. Yeah. Keep it ambiguous. Exactly. So we can see that Kerry is wailing on Flair. And I just got to talk about this for a second because he does this so much. And his style of like, we call it like, you know, a hockey fight, right? Where, you know, one hand on the jersey, left hand on the jersey, right hand smash in the face, you know, kind of thing. And that's kind of Kerry's deal, except for he doesn't have a jersey to grab on. So, so he grabs onto the hair. <laughs> They're great. They, they look good. Yeah. And I mean, it's stuff he did to Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning, like in the WWF. It's like he just grabbed that big mop of hair and Flair's got a lot of hair to grab. So it just, you know, it's a good handle. It, <laughs> Yeah, they are they are great punches. I grant you that. So yeah, he's You're not just, going anywhere. <laughs> no, no, he no. doesn't miss when he's got he's got you held down. <laughs> Hockey punches. That's a pretty cool way to like describe it. No jersey. I like exactly. It. Yeah. So we we get basically again like it's you know we're just clipping edits just here. So don't, don't try that shit on Kurt Angle with the, with the old yeah, wig. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the old wig will come off. Whoop. <laughs> so Flair all of a sudden is trying a suplex again don't know what context this is coming out of it's quite funny Kerry flips over and applies the sleeper and I love Bill Mercer because he says the sleep hold <laughs> So That's it's like, talk. it's the sleeper or the sleeper hold. I've never heard the sleep hold. <laughs> Bill Mercer's got his own special way of talking down there in Texas. So David Manning is in as the other ref because the first ref is stunned, as we talked about from the discus punch. And Flair's, Flair's arm's being checked, and he looks like he's just out of it. And the bell rings, and Kerry jumps up thinking he's won the first fall. But the other ref comes in, and no, it's a DQ on Kerry for the discus punch. But... Fans, it's not over. It's just the first fall. <laughs> oh, I love two, be- two out of three falls is the best. Oh, it's such- it gives you so much more room to do cool storytelling. Yeah. So now we're into the second fall, and we can see Flair doing a big tilt-a-whirl spin in the corner. <laughs> He's getting his ass kicked. But it- then it cuts. Ric Flair has got Kerry in the figure four. Oh, no. But then it jumps from there. <laughs> Kerry's got the claw on the champ, and he pins him. One, two, three? That's right. Yes. Flair just looks totally unconscious. So now here we go. Fast forward to the third fall, and Flair's just a bloody mess. We we know what that looks like. His red wig that he's wearing, and Carrie's mounted on him. And when I say mounted, not like a you know mixed martial arts mount, like a sitting on your face, <laughs> like you know one knee over the shoulder, the other in an down on one knee and one foot in a almost like a pose, but then with like you're basically your crotch in the guy's face as you punch Yeesh. him. Wow. <laughs> And, I, and he's not the only one that does this. I've seen other Flair does it too. <laughs> like, so it's kind of interesting. Yeah, more like kneeling, let's say. Yeah, you're kneeling got, over the guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the ref is getting really physical here, trying to separate them. And eventually he double DQs both Kerry and Rick. And then it cuts to the, after the match, and we see Fritz arguing with the ref. And it's, you know, it's a big controversial, you know, outcome of this best two out of three falls where Flair won around. Flair survived the first fall when it looked like he'd lost by, you know, by disqualification. Then he gets pinned and then, you know, he's 
getting his ass kicked. And so it's a, you know, Flair's, Flair's given a lot here. Yep. Putting over Kerry. So now we go to pre-match comments and we get to Kerry in the locker room. And we'd see almost all of these interviews on this show are done sort of in the same spot. It's, I can't remember if it's lockers behind them or almost like that kind of cork wall that has like the holes in it or whatever. I'm not sure. Not really important, but pretty typical spot. They don't have like a logo or anything, but it's almost like their interview area. And Kerry's just doesn't look comfortable on camera. He he's trying his best to, you know, be confident and and all this stuff, but he he's pretty understated when he talks and he looks a little Liffy and he's the hairdo looks just uh, kind of crazy. Like, doesn't look like when he's wrestling. He's got it's like he took a ball cap off maybe, and so the top of his head's all like kind of you know overpronounced from having his hair squished or something. Or I don't know what it is, but he's basically just you know he's quiet. You know he just talks about how people are excited and he's really looking forward to getting into that cage and he just kind of keeps it mellow. He's not a super engaging or you know charismatic speaker and stuff like that, but he certainly you know he knows how to work it when he's out in the ring and stuff like that. So they flip to. Ric Flair, who's looking pretty dapper, he's in his suit, He's but he's very subdued. It's a very different Ric Flair. This Absolutely. is not a, there's no woos, there's no yelling, but he does slip in a few of his, like, you know, trademark sayings, you know, he's, he gets in the, he's talking about his suit, and, uh, you know, diamonds are forever, and so is Ric Flair, and how he's going to retire the champion, and Kerry's going to pay the price of a wrestling lifetime. <laughs> he does, yep. does get a bit of that in, so. No yelling, but no yelling. And then they get into the bounty that we talked about, and that's where Flair's kind of alluding to the fact that he did or didn't, like, you know, and it doesn't matter whether he did or didn't, but but we they don't show us a lot of footage. They don't show us footage of this bounty being collected or how, we, you know, Kerry hurt his knee, but we just we just know what happened. So we're, we get Flair coming out, no music, and he's in a red robe. It's got the nature boy on the back, of course, and they flip over to Kerry, and he's kind of in the quote-unquote gorilla position. He's in the hallway getting ready to come out. And he's got his own blue robe on, white trim. They announce him as the modern day warrior. Again, I can't hear any music. I know he came out to like, uh, I want to say it was like Rush or something. He had a few different. Yeah, that yeah. was a Rush song. Yeah. yeah. He had a few different. The song's uh, called uh, Tom Sawyer. Yes. And he had a few different ones he came out to, but that right. was one of them. Yeah, definitely. I think the most common one was that one. But yeah, no music. But he is coming out to crazy squeals and like it's a mad, it's like a really mad scene, you know, because these wrestlers, they have to walk through an uncontrolled area, basically. There's no real true aisle. And so the the mobbing is happening. Kerry's got to like, you know, expend a lot of energy just to, you know, get through a crowd just to get to the ring. Yep. So the first ref we see in the ring is trusty old David Manning. Of course, he's going to be there. But as we got to see through some syndicated footage, there was a whole thing about because of the controversy of the last fight, they were going to have two refs and the second ref was going to be a special vote from the fans. And they put up four names. I can't even remember who they all were, but Michael P.S. Hayes gets voted in as a ref because he is noted as having refed a world title match in Japan and another one somewhere in America. So they're kind of making reference to the fact that he has refereeing experience. So he's brought in. So we get a look at him in the ring. And he's looking classy. He's got jeans on, no shirt. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the strangest look for a special guest referee I've yeah, ever yeah. seen. I don't remember the exact joke, but I remember laughing a few years back. The HBO show John Oliver did a show on the WWF, which caught my attention. So he was kind of doing a little expose on McMahon and the whole like, you know, workers' rights and not, you know, how they're like not actually employees, you know, that whole thing, how they're contracted, they're treated like employees, but under this idea that they're contract workers and but he made a joke about he put up a picture from uwf and it's a young faced jim ross in a tuxedo and his color commentator is michael hayes who's like in a vest with no shirt on 
<laughs> and I don't remember the joke, but John Oliver dropped a very, you know, funny one-liner about, like, sort of, you know, and he was kind of making fun of Jim Ross, almost like as if he wasn't dressed appropriately, like, you know, making the joke that Michael Hayes is the one who's dressed appropriately here. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, that Michael Hayes loved to go around with no shirt. Yes. Like, Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another exciting hour of the Universal Wrestling Federation. Look, look, I get wrestling is all about spectacle and pageantry, but a tuxedo, Jim, a tuxedo? Tone it down a notch, you're not at a fucking gala. Michael, as usual, no notes, you look great, keep living your truth. So we can see Terry Gordy from the Freebirds is also up on the apron. He's not in the cage, but he's right up in the doorway. And at this point, Hayes gets the mic and to say that his brother is there to watch the door and that, you know, after all the shenanigans, I'm not going to let anything happen. And the crowd's excited about this, that they have this, you know, good guy bodyguard, this giant Terry Gordy to make sure there's no heel tactics. Although I don't know what they would have been. Like, it's not like Flair's got some sort of Texas horseman <laughs> coming to help him. Good point. Yeah. No J.J. Dillon or anything. Yeah, he doesn't, doesn't seem to have a manager of any kind or any of that. So uh, we'll see what he means. But yeah, the, at this point, the ref is taking the belt around to show Kerry Von Erich and the fans lose their shit when he touches that title. Like when he like just touches it and holds it for a second to look at it. It's like, they're just all their hopes and dreams are coming true. Right now, which title is this? This is the NWA world heavyweight championship. Right. But I mean the belt. It's okay. The belt. Oh, this is the one with the flags. This is the globe dome. Yeah. Globe dome. It's got some flags. Yeah, on the, it. I like to call it the Harley race belt from my perspective. The Harley race belt. There was more than him that had it, of course, but yeah. that was, so, you know, that era, the early flare before the big gold. So the match is underway. It's really, you know, pretty funny. These guys have fought a lot and there's a lot of stuff going on. I think the convention of having two refs is, you know, such a big storyline here and such a big part of the match. So it kind of, you know, that's the difference, unique maker of this match compared to maybe some other flare carry matches. But, you know, they're circling each other and measuring Flair's stalling, of course. They lock up and Kerry very quickly does this leg trip and then these hilarious, like, way over-exaggerated, like, elbow drops to the leg where he's diving way up in the air and taking forever to come down. And and Flair, of course, is selling well for him. And But it's, it's, it's pretty funny. And the women are just losing their minds. You can hear them in here. The Ricky Morton fan club is, you know, a little bit earlier. <laughs> before, before they were losing their shit for Ricky, they were losing their shit for Kerry. Well, uh, I got to say that uh, Ricky Morton was commanding that, but if he, he doesn't look like too much of a heartbreaker if you stacked him beside one of <laughs> yeah, these exactly. Bon Eric boys. You know? <laughs> He's, uh, he, he had the charisma. He had the charisma for but, sure, man. You know, yeah, it, that's where he got it because like the Bon Eric boys, well, I, I think that probably Ricky Morton wasn't taking steroids and you yes. know, I think that these, these guys might have been on some oh, uh, enhancement. Carry for sure, Kevin almost certainly. David, maybe not, like, because he's just such a natural big guy, and like he wasn't yeah. that he wasn't all that overly defined. Had he stuck around longer, making you knows, he probably would have ended up on them, you know, yeah, like if exactly. he wasn't already doing them. So Flair counters some of this to get back up to his feet, but right away he's tripped again, and he lets out the greatest like ah ah ah. <laughs> he's just yelling. It's so good. More leg work. <coughs> Carries sort of torturing the leg, and it's interesting. Flair grabs an arm lock. He basically reverses the hold. He's like in a leg lock. And he puts Carrie in an arm lock. Carrie lets go. And it's just, you know, without really moving, you know, without changing positions, the attackee has become the attacker. <laughs> well, I like the flim flam story. The, you know, the quick change. You like when they're, you know, like, what happened? <laughs> you know, heels got the bad guy. Heels got the face all locked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And next thing you know, what? <laughs> the face has got the heel in the same move by a yeah. quick turnaround, duck around, spin job. 
Yeah. So they end up back on their feet, and Flair winds the arm up, but Kerry rolls forward to relieve the pressure and then nails like a standing drop kick, sort of a la Mr. Perfect, you know, from that, like almost no distance, right? Like where you just fold yourself up like a little accordion so you can <laughs> explode and drill the guy. That's a pretty good move. Very athletic, these Von Eric boys. That's right. So Flair scrambles at this point to escape, but the cage has him trapped. There's nowhere to go. He kind of goes to a couple of different sides, you know, and we have not mentioned it. This is the shortest cage. The shortest cage. Oh you've yeah, ever seen. yeah. Again, the shortest cage. This is not an escape to cage, so it's not. It's not the bars. It's you know, it's the classic more chicken wire fence kind of style, and it is very low. Yeah, when they I've go stand seen. up on the top rope, their heads are well above the <laughs> the top of the cage. Yeah, that's kind of unique. Yeah, for sure. So one of the big storylines here is the refs just will not let them stay anywhere near the ropes. Despite the fact this is a no DQ cage match, the refs are very, very aggressive about like close fists and being in the ropes and uh, and we're going to see it just keeps escalating throughout. It does appear to be fairly equal. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they're forcing Kerry back here. And so the two men are up and they start exchanging blows. Flair, it's early, so he's not going to do well in this. And we get a great early Flair flop. He walks away from it the whole fight <laughs> and then just face plants. <laughs> it's really funny. We get a lot of very frequent cuts to the crowd, just screaming fans and children and like 20 to 30 year old women. And they sort of maybe have about eight different pairs and they just keep rotating through them. And there's one guy who always gets into the shot, but like, you know, there's basically this rotating cast of characters that they're going, they, they're cutting to it a lot. It's like really, they're, they're spliced in anytime Carrie's doing anything good or anything really bad happens to him. Like the cameraman's like, oh, what do you think? <laughs> you know, he's got to show him. Well, earlier the women were screaming for Michael Hayes in the six man tag. That's right. Not yeah. so much David, as you know, as yeah, yeah. poor guy, but uh, you know, cause well, Michael Hayes is really playing it up, right? Yeah, Pl- yeah, yeah. Plumping his hair and swaggering and everything. But now they're all about carry yeah for sure so flair is limping early and he keeps it up for quite a while so it's hard to say if he actually maybe took a bump but i mean they, they did do some work on his legs so i mean he could just be the master salesman that he is but he does slip in some blows to get an advantage there's a snap mare which leads to a big knee drop and then he goes for the huge chops but this wakes up carry von eric and he starts firing back but flair's managed to get in a knee and then chops and those floor von, von eric really big hearts the sound is slapping that chest slapping that skin so Flair tries to abuse Kerry on the ropes near the cage, but Michael Hayes becomes very physical and he pushes Flair back to the delight of the crowd. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're liking this. And Jesse Ventura would be like, wait a minute, we better see that the shoes on the other foot for the same kind of treatment. <laughs> and we will. So now Kerry is just rocking Flair, but soon Hayes is in because he won't allow any action where the men are against the ropes. So like Kerry's just wailing off on these right hands, but Hayes is very physically aggressive. Yep. Uh, Yeah, that's right. The face gets physical with the face to enforce the rules. And Manning and Hayes are arguing through a lot of this match. It's really quite funny. David Manning seems to be admonishing Michael Hayes quite a bit about like his, you know, what are you, what he's doing? Like he's constantly getting his finger in his face and it's pretty interesting. So Flair gets the advantage, but his suplex attempt, as we saw in the flashback, backfires into a sleep hold, as Mercer would love to say. So Mercer declares at this point, Kerry is the master of the hold. And I'm sitting there thinking like, uh, what? <laughs> like he already has signature holds. So I think like Vern Gagne and other guys are going to be able to hold the title of master of the sleeper. Discus punch and the claw <laughs> yeah, already. Exactly, yeah. you know? <laughs> what else are you taking? Ric Flair uses a back suplex to finally escape this hold because he's in it for quite a while. And one of the things I know, Jeff, I know I got a lot of kick out of this. The funny thing is, throughout much of the match, both refs are doing the exact same thing. It's almost like a little kid who just won't stop repeating somebody or imitating them, you know? So it's like if they're counting, they're both counting. If they're admonishing, they're both admonishing. Yeah. It's, it's almost like they're playing mirror each other, you know, pantomime. It's like pretty funny. So this is a weird spot. Carrie climbs the ropes in the middle of the cage, not in the corner. 
and the ropes are super loose. <laughs> like, they're just completely bending, and he falls off of them pretty much, and he's using the cage to support himself. He does manage to land a knee drop, but it's like, it didn't look like the greatest idea. It was like, don't go up in the middle of the cage. There's no, you know, there's no support. Yeah, that low cage. Yeah. And then we get a follow-up to this, and it's a close-up. It's like a dynamite kid-like knee drop, where, like, it appears that Gary just drops his knee right on Flair's forehead, just bang. Like, the camera's way too close for it to, like, you know, be a Bob Eaton. It's, it looks like it's a looks like it's a potato knee. And Flair from this, he pops up swinging a ghost refs, and anybody else will get in his way, con- <laughs> connecting with nobody, <laughs> just going crazy. Gary drops another knee. And he goes back to the whole grab the hair and wail on the face plan. <laughs> just, you know, it's just going to be over and over and over. And they struggle as Flair is almost is also almost being pinned. Like so, they you know he's trying to like get a pin out of this. Flair does a punch to the gut, which slows Carry down. There's a whip off the ropes, and Flair delivers a back elbow. Flair lists Carry like a Davy Boy power slam over his shoulder, and then drops his throat across the top rope. It's sort of an interesting look. It's not out of that more typical body slam position, like the scooped arm. But uh, off of this almost shoulder breaker, you know, Davy Boy power slam position. Flair starts shoving the refs, and Hayes is not taking that. <laughs> so Flair is choking Carrie on the ropes, and Hayes is in to force him out. Carrie then eats a turnbuckle smash, a snapmare, and an elbow drop for the double ref count. One, two, <laughs> in the kick out, you know, and they're like, they're perfectly timed. They couldn't be, you know, they're, they're twins, except for the whole part where he's, one of them's not wearing a shirt. At this point, Kerry rallies, but is cut off, and he's whipped off the ropes. Flair goes for an abdominal stretch, but there's like a quadruple or like six times around reversal where they, they look yeah. like they're doing line dancing moves or something. I'm Trying not sure. Land it. Yeah. And it finally ends up that it's Kerry Von Erich that, you know, gets on Tony Greer's finisher, the abdominal stretch. Aha. Uh-huh. And we're totally going to break typecast here because the bad guy is going to break script. He gets the hip toss. <laughs> Flair hip tosses out of it. What? <laughs> he's supposed to go to the ropes. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> Let me see your card. You don't have yeah. the credentials for this. <laughs> Flair then misses an elbow drop, and this leads to bad times for Mr. Flair. For the first very a lot of times, Kerry just launches Flair face first into the cage, and he does these jumps. You know, he jumps like two, three off the fa- off the ground and just goes face first into the cage, like you know, a bunch of times. It's it's pretty nasty for Flair. And then right after that first one, Flair tries to return the favor, so he grabs Kerry by the hair and charges across the ring, and we, oh yeah, have some of this. But Kerry just at the last second just gives him a push. So Flair goes once again face first into the cage. It's uh, it's rough times for Flair. And it's blading time. We can see Flair is down on the ground hiding his forehead. So we know what's going on there. And the women love it. They love this, you know, violence and this blood. And <laughs> Flair hitting the cage and they're squealing. It's cheese grater action. And Hayes is in. He's fighting Kerry almost. He's ready to wrestle almost. So Flair's back in the cage screaming. And Hayes is manhandling everybody. He's pushing the ref. He's pushing Kerry. He's pushing Flair. Michael Hayes will not uh, take anyone's bullshit. Very serious about his duties. That's right. So one more time, Flair takes a really hard hit to the cage. And this is where Kerry signals for the claw. But it's cut off. So Flair's rallying and he's kicking Kerry's legs. And Flair's using the ropes to twist Kerry's legs, like his knees, you know. So he's got, he's going after this, you know, this kabuki injury, basically. At this point, we're sort of establishing that Kerry's coming with a pre-injury, you know. He's, he's, still, he's still only recovering from his injury. So he's susceptible to Flair's favorite tactics, which is damaging your legs. So it's Flair's in the ropes. He's just twisting away at those legs, but he gets his hair yanked by Michael Hayes to break it up. At this point, Hayes shoves Manning because Manning's mad at him for pulling hair. And we're about to have a four-way brawl. <laughs> David Manning, he knows how to take a bump. He's ready to fight. <laughs> yeah, wow. Standing up to Michael Hayes. <laughs> so Flair's doing all his greatest hits. You know, he's jumping on Kerry's leg. He's got it exposed over the bottom rope. He's bouncing up and 
nailing him and stuff like that, stomping on all this stuff. Flair yells, get out of my way, and threatens uh, Manning. It's, that, that part's really funny. Carrie's really selling the leg, and Flair's just relentless, keeps going back to it. Knee in the rope again. So another uh, there's another snapmare to the corner, and two attempts to apply the figure four happen, but in both cases, Carrie's able to use his good leg to kick Flair off and you know send him flying through the air before he can lock in the finisher. Carrie gets in a couple of punches and then launches Flair back into the cage. So it just takes one or two punches to like stun Flair and then it's time to go meet the steel again. And this time he like, uh, he, he did it like Flair really owes him money or like something bad happened because he really bounces Flair off the cage. That one looks like it actually really probably hurt. It's pretty crazy. And we see more blading. So now Flair's just a total bloody mess. But he does a leg attack from the ground to slow Carrie down. But Carrie's back to the punch fest. And Flair's just like, at this point, he's got about a two-thirds of his hair is just red, you know, like he's got like, if you didn't, you wouldn't, if you didn't know what his hair color was, you wouldn't be sure because it's not looking that white blonde anymore. So he looks like a Halloween costume, for <laughs> God's sakes. <laughs> looks like he's yeah, coming nobody, out of the Friday 13th movie. There's nobody in wrestling practically that, where it stands out as brightly on That's with right, yeah. Flair. <laughs> he looks like a National Geographic where the eagle has just, you know, killed its prey and there's blood on the eagle's feathers. <laughs> The bald-headed eagle. The yeah, white, yeah. The white, the pure white of the bald-headed eagle. So after all these punches, Kerry goes for and misses a knee drop. <laughs> it's kind of question why he's dropping the bad knee. Like, yeah. what, what would happen if it would have hit? <laughs> exactly. So Flair is able to capitalize on that. He gets the figure four applied, and that injured knee of Kerry is really put to the test. And we here we get the double ref count. So they're both in the position, you know, like, do you give up? Do you give up? And they're both, like, you know, constantly asking. And again, I'm just kind of getting like chuckles out of this like constant. It's like, why is it, why, why isn't the second ref just, you know, on the outside or like, you know, why are they both doing the same thing? So after a long stretch of this figure four, Kerry rolls him over and Flair is just screaming. So now Flair, you know, with the red all over his face and in his hair and he's, he's in agony just being tortured backwards. Kerry, once they get broken up, Kerry recovers quickly and now he's working on the leg again. About 10 stomps in a row. Just stomps on Flair's, like, the inner thigh just over and over and over again. That's uh, I don't think anyone would be walking if you could actually do that to them and just stand there and stomp on them like that. And then he does some of that same work in the ropes. He's twisting Flair's knee in the rope. And, of course, Michael Hayes is being aggressive about that. And this, during this whole time, of course, we're getting some really great Flair. No! No! He's just really tortured. He's taking so much punishment. Ric Flair scales the cage with what what there is of a cage. <laughs> he can't really can't support his weight, but he's doing what he can to get out of there. But exposed, of course, and taking many punches. So he ends up bailing back down and he goes like upside down between the ropes and the cage. <laughs> he's just looking so hurt. Yeah, it was a short trip <laughs> up to the top, but he gets caught. <laughs> and he winds up all tangled up. So Kerry, of course, wants to keep working on him. And at this point, Hayes is like basically like locking up with like Kerry to get him out of there. He's like basically yeah. doing like a collar and elbow. Right. But I mean, at least so far, Hayes is not actually betraying any heel tactic. You know, yeah. he's, he's enforcing the rules, you yeah. know, like the same over and cor- over. Yeah. yeah. Corner breaks and, uh, you know, people are holding onto the rope. And But at this point, Hayes throws Gary to the mat. <laughs> That's true. It goes too far. But Kerry stays focused. He doesn't he doesn't really pay attention to this. He just gets back up and goes back to work. You know, he doesn't right. want to. He's not, he does not seeing it as an attack. He's seeing it as like, well, the ref, I'll get him away. <laughs> like, let me do my thing. So there's more head to cage action for Flair. Oh, it's a horror show, blood everywhere. And there's a knee and a chop by Flair to buy him a little bit of time. So Rick scales that cage again. <laughs> and it's hard to say what he's going for, but he jumps down into the claw. <laughs> like he comes yeah. off the ropes, but he doesn't like seem to be doing any kind of an attack. He just, he's like, oh, there's your hand. Here comes my forehead. <laughs> That's right. 
just like Kabuki attacked Carrie's knee with his face, <laughs> Flair is going to headbutt head Carrie Von Eric's palm. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> ha! Gotcha! So Flair is fading, and there are some pinfall attempts out of this, but Hayes, he's watching, and he sees that Flair's foot touches the rope for like a second. And then that's it. He's like, it has to be broken up. And David Manning's like, that ah, doesn't matter. You hear, you hear him say it. It doesn't matter. Like, it's not touching anymore. Mm-hmm. But he's like, no. So he's trying to get Carrie to let go of the claw. And it gets to the point <laughs> where we get a John Bonello worthy two handfuls of hair and a foot on the butt. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and 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 Hayes just like falls backwards with all his weight and just peels Kerry Von Erich off of Flair. It's hey, really rough. It's like tooth extraction in the Old West. Yeah. You know, like, you know, have a couple shots of whiskey and then brace for this. <laughs> so the John Bonella references that he did that to Hogan at the big event in 1986 against Paul Orndorff, and we just love it. <laughs> yeah. Just grabbing what... What Hogan had left for hair at the time. And Those, yeah, <laughs> conveniently side-handled blonde wisps. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Hayes had a lot more to grab onto with oh, Gary. Yeah. <laughs> a lot more hair. <laughs> but the crowd is just like, what's going oh, yeah, on they, here? Like, well, hey. they boo. They boo that yeah. part. They definitely boo Michael Hayes for how he pulled Kerry off of there. So, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy. Kerry gets in his face for a while, and Flair recovers and nails Kerry from behind with a knee and kind of crushes you know Michael Hayes and Kerry into the corner a little bit. So Flair's mauling Carrie, he has to, and but he has to contend with Hayes. Hayes is right back to like not wanting to let Flair do. I think Flair's got him mounted, but in the ropes, Hayes is right back to just again, like you said, working both sides. Like just like I'm not gonna let any of you guys do this. Correct. Eventually, Flair shoves Hayes down. So Michael gets up, fixes his hair, walks back with purpose. He grabs Flair from behind, turns him around, and the big right hand. And Michael Hayes did have a great right hand. (laughs) (laughs) And it looks like a you know Ronnie Garvin knockout blow. (laughs) Yeah, awesome. Yeah. So Manning, of course, doesn't like this, and so but he gets a shove for his trouble when he yep. complains. Michael Hayes isn't taking any of this. Hayes is irate, and he wants Carrie to pin him. And Carrie's kind of confused. I think he saw it, or he's not quite sure, but he's just he's he's a little bit hesitant. So Michael Hayes grabs Carrie Von Eric by the hair and drags him over and like throws him on top of Flair. But Carrie stands up. He doesn't want to win the you know the the belt this way. And Hayes is just super upset at this, like the fact that he did that. Carrie's not gonna win the title and go for it. So Hayes just gets up, shoves Manning and Carrie, and says, screw it, throws his hands up in the air. I'm out of here. And he starts to leave. So Carrie's following him and talking to him, trying to like, you know, argue with him to come back. And we can see with Michael outside of the ropes, but still on the apron, Carrie Von Eric right in the corner facing him, talking to him. That's when Flair comes in, perfect heel tactic. And I think Michael Hayes turns around to walk away right at that moment. So he doesn't see Flair coming. So Flair hits Carrie, Carrie hits Michael, Michael spills out of the ring, and without much hesitation, the exposed head of Kerry Von Erich is hanging out of that door, and Terry Gordy makes his, his first appearance in this match, violently slams the door on his head. We don't get another camera angle. Like It's not like we get a second shot of this, and I don't know how much he did or didn't hit him, but it, from the camera angle, we see it. Look, It's perfect. If, it's, if it didn't touch him, it still would, you know, it's great because we, we looks like he kills him with the door. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good visual, the cage door swinging, boom. So Carrie didn't really need to take the bump. You know, <laughs> That's right, yeah. Great. Yeah, it looks like he just destroys him with it. Because he thinks that Carrie has attacked his brother, exactly. Michael Hayes. Yeah, yeah, his, yeah, exactly. But it was a ref bump, you see. So it's all a misunderstanding. If only somebody could have said, fellas, fellas, <laughs> you don't need to make all this money and have this big feud. It's just a misunderstanding. Exactly. So Flair goes for the pin here. And Hayes crawls back in to make the count. And he throws Manning across the ring. And he counts one, two. And Carrie kicks out. 
And Michael Hayes counts three. <laughs> the heel turn is complete. And he just doesn't care. So Hayes gets up and he raises like the corpse of Flair's arm and drops it. <laughs> He's barely even like Flair's not moving much, but he raises his hand. And once again, manhandles Manning, who <laughs> gets in his way. But Manning is signaling, no, he takes Flair's arm and throws it down and says, no, the, you know, the match isn't over. That wasn't a three count. So Michael Hayes just leaves. So the Freebirds leave as Flair's just assaulting Kerry. He's ramming him into the cage, stalking him around the ring. He's punching, kicking him, doing whatever he can. More and more punches. There's a snap mare and a cover, but Kerry kicks out twice. Flair tries for like back-to-back pins. Neither one works. Another smash of our, you know, the fans' heart throbs, head to the cage. More punches, but Kerry starts to fight back a little bit. It's sort of like for every three flares, there's one Kerry. And then it's three to two. Next thing you know, Flair's on the downside of this, this punch, and you know, Kerry's making the comeback. And he creates the distance and space he needs to land the discus punch that in the future called Texas Tornado Punch. <laughs> Flair takes a good bump off that. But before Kerry can capitalize, he actually collapses to the mat face first. David Manning is checking on him. Flair's moving around on his back, but looks like he's kind of out too. And Manning signals for the bell. Kerry has apparently passed out from his head injuries from the door and everything else that's happened in the match. And Flair is named the winner. And the crowd is obviously irate at this whole situation. And as Jeff alluded to, you know, this is the spark that lights the fire of, you know, one of the greatest feuds of the 80s and, and certainly of this promotion's history. And this will go on to create several very memorable matches you know in the future different six-man variations and tag team and singles matches and this blood feud between the von erics and the Freebirds, which they could kind of come back to at any time they wanted it would seem even as the participants changed and as jeff said you know papa fritz is going to get involved he always like everybody he retires but then he always has to find ways to get back involved or you know get involved in a match so and of course this is by no means the end of the big picture of carrie von eric versus rick flair the uh, the real drama has yet to come because this, yes, uh, yeah. this is the end 82. of the couple This is a couple, this is 82, yeah, December 82. So we got a couple of years basically, or a year right. and a half before, you know, the, the biggest part of their, their stuff. So the, the commentators are speculating a concussion here. And eventually, of course, Kevin and David come to the ring to help carry. It's really long and drawn out to trying to get him out of there. And at one point, David Von Erich does grab the mic and in a raspy voice, he uh, very sarcastically calls, he calls out Hayes and Gordy. And thanks them for their Christmas present. Yeah, but there's also and a then bunch. there's an edit. There's an edit. There's something he says, not very long, like maybe five six words, and the crowd goes bananas for whatever he said. But we don't know what he said. It is uh, very obviously been scrubbed. Yeah, and deleted by maybe the he powers swore, of B. Or maybe he like yeah. said something really controversial. Who mm. knows? Yeah, probably yeah. swore. I guess. Yeah, maybe you chicken shits or something. And Jerry Blackwell. And then, so they review the, they review the match. They show a lot of footage of it again, but you, you kind of, as the commentators are talking, when they go back to live footage, it's neat. You can actually, you know, you see the, the crowd piling out or no, pardon me. You see that. That's not what I meant. You see the cage being disassembled, pardon me, as they're, you know, talking about what happened in the match and stuff like that. And we get those last shots of like the two Von Eric boys carrying their brother and then the big hug outside of the cage. And, you know, they just really had this intangible thing going for them that other territories didn't have, which is, you know, they had this, they had a whole fan base for a handful of years that were just in love with this family and that you could just base everything around like these, you know, these three boys, and they went on to add, add other people, but nowhere near to this success, you know, like the 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 David, Kevin, Carey trio is the, you know, the, the peak and the glory of it all and the promise and why everything was so popular. And But it's really neat because they could sort of just roll through heels, but then you also could roll through your baby faces and turn them heel too. Because... <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, well, the the Von Erichs were possibly the most, uh, well, probably the most successful wrestling family in history, I guess. And To a degree, yeah. I, I think there's an argument to be made for the Funks just because they're the only two guys to win the world, the two brothers to win world heavyweight title, plus like the success and the power of Dory Funk Sr. Like he had so much power in the NWA, but because of the timing of that, a lot of that is lost on us. So much of that happened in the sixties and early seventies. We, and, and out of our, out of sight, out of mind, you know, so we can't, but I mean, when I look at that, there's a lot of similarities between the Von Erichs and the Funks in terms of like their start in the business, how they got their, into their promotions, like being, be, you know, going from being the big star of the promotion to be, you know, becoming the actual owner of the promotion. Well, either way, it's Texas who's got this one in the <laughs> win column. So either way, the greatest wrestling family comes from Texas. So we're looking for some Texas downloads here. Smooch, smooch. <laughs> you want to hit it big down south. That's right. Yeah, maybe we'll get a couple of new looks and listens for posting something about world class. Yeah. So Hold on. There's one thing the- that comes up on the file. Uh, so the WWE Network, I didn't chat, but I guarantee you it doesn't have this. Did you see to the end of the YouTube file? The credits? Um, maybe. Where we they fucking played the Star Wars theme. And the winners tonight, all the fans who watch this fantastic world-class championship wrestling. Next. <laughs> like, literally. <laughs> no, I didn't see that part. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, like that's that. funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, one more Star Wars. This isn't really a story, but... Okay, so... Now I'm trying to do sit-ups, right? And I'm like, I don't want to count. I do my do. I do them 33 sit-ups in a, a yeah, a set. That's my okay. thing now. It's 33 sit-ups. So I don't like to count to 33 because that's pretty boring. You know, my thoughts will drift and I'll be like, where am I? So I like I tap the side of my head. You know, one, two, three, four, and then I tap instead of five with yeah. us like a, a totally open hand i close my fist and and then count one on my left hand with yeah. a closed fist on my right and that's five and then i'm like okay six seven eight nine and so i get to a point where i have closed fists on both hands yeah, yeah, right yeah, yeah. and i call it princess leia <laughs> the buttons <laughs> that's right also because i finish that's my last yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah you know i get you know basically sit up 31, 2, 3, and 4. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. two closed fists on either side. Yeah, yeah. And I don't bother. I just count once. I start, okay, 1, 2, 3, and sometimes 4, because I want to get to 100 sit-ups a day. That's the goal. Yeah, okay. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, when I've, I, the last set, <laughs> the last three, uh, my, that's what my position on my hand is, Princess Leia. <laughs> Cinnamon <laughs> buns, closed fists, and then I am like, phew, that set, that rep, they're done. Yeah. So I, it was really neat to, you know, I I know a lot of stuff about the Texas stuff, but I haven't seen much of the syndicated TV. So it's it's cool that it's out there to watch and that you can kind of take some of it in, experience it. I definitely think that Jeff and ours, like my experience watching wrestling as a kid, we never got this idea of the champ coming to your town because we were growing up on the AWA. We had our own world champion. And when we went to WWF, they had their own world champion. So we never had that experience that somebody who was in one of the, t- one of the, pure NWA territories had of that idea of like, you know, the Terry Funk or Harley Race or Ric Flair or whoever coming to your town to fight your guy. And and yes, there was a Flair versus Martel match, title versus title, but that's not kind of the same thing as what I'm talking about here where you kind of, once or twice a year, you got to have the dream that, you know, is... Is it, is it your turn, your guy's turn to be Tommy <laughs> Wildfire Rich and get the belt, even if it's only for a couple of weeks or something. So I think that they, they kept, a, must have been good for the imagination of it. Like the idea that 
you know, as much as what you were watching on a weekly basis was important, there was this thing that they couldn't quite reach, which was even bigger. And, you know, where the, were you going to become the actual NWA world champion? And it certainly was unique because that allowed each Von Erich boy to go for that golden moment, that golden belt. Yeah. You know, and so Texas was the best place for this sort of storyline of like, it could be one of your heroes. And it's like, oh, we got a whole family full of Yeah, and heroes. people made the point. It was like a lot of the territories really didn't have more than one person that really made sense to be put in that spot. Like when they go to Memphis, for the most part, okay, who are they going to put in there other than Jerry Lawler? Like kind of nobody. And you could kind of go around to a lot of the territories and say a similar thing about a similar, about another wrestler. And Jeff Wright, that like there was sort of this this triple crown, these three different young boys. And it was great because they were like the underdogs because they were so young. But they also was like, well, if they're doing this to Harley now, what like how is he going to survive them in a couple of years when they're, you know. Right. When they're grown into their bodies more. And I'll have to go back and take a look at Harley Race and his work with the Von Erics because I haven't watched any of that. I haven't really, yeah. you know what? I haven't seen hardly any Harley, you know, with his big mustache yeah. days. Yeah, I've seen a little bit of it, mostly around, of course, his, the flair, the flair for the gold, like when he's, when Flair's going for the belt against him. I've seen a dusty Harley Race match, you know, like I've seen a few, but again, like most people, like a lot of people, I saw a lot more of Harley Race in 1986, you know, like at WWF, 1986, 87, than I did of his glory years. Yeah. Because he had the bleach blonde hair cut short in his early yeah. days. Well, it was, it was he it changed over time, but he also had that darker kind of brown, light brown, dark blonde hair look, you know, with the beard and stuff. And, right. and uh, basically, I guess he came full circle. But yes, went, that's right. It, yeah, it, yeah, 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 yeah. But he got curly in his because yeah. in the earlier run, it was a real short close crop that's right i can picture exactly what you're talking and, about yeah. uh and and again like then he became kind of like uncle biker harley yeah, race. Yeah, yeah 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 and then he became the king harley race a different that's right. look shaved off yeah, all the for sure whiskers and let his hair well i guess he, he bleached it blonde again yep but I let it go curly and let it go long i know what curly long hair is like <laughs> it doesn't really ever look long that's right so we're going to uh find the time between christmas and new year's to hit up the Iron Claw, and sometime after that, it can't the really Baron promise. Baron Von Raschke movie. <laughs> Not really promising, but we'll just put out a special kind of short little segment. We'll just put out, like, you know, us talking about the movie. The it won't movie's be a full very blown. promising. We are not committing. <laughs> 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 a very promising-looking moving. That's movie. right. Moving. Moving. A moving-looking movie. That's right. <laughs> we promise. Wait, no promises. It's funny, because one, one of the main stars in the movie was in the show Shameless, and I brought him up before because I thought he looked a little bit like Tom Billington, and then a few months later, he gets cast as Carrie Von Erich, and I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. Wild. It, it, it appears that um, they're getting the, the big-time treatment, and uh, let's hope it's as good as yeah. the Lord of the Rings movies. <laughs> <laughs> Try not to put too much pressure on we'll have fun with it, and we'll do that. So that means by the time you're hearing that, it'll probably be 2024. And since we probably won't be recording again before that, I will take this opportunity to thank you, the fans, and the people that take the time to listen and help us out. That's great. We want more letters. We want more stories because that brings up funny stuff for, our, for us and it makes the show more enjoyable. We also want you to head over to Patreon. I think we have a special guest who's going to come in a second to talk to you about that. So we'll use this as our opportunity to wrap it up and say goodbye for the year. Season greetings, season's greetings. That's the message from the legendary wrestling obsession and from your favorite spy, Sean 007 Connery. 
And that's weak ash. If I have to tell you who it is, that's some pretty pish poor impression. <laughs> Either way, <laughs> it's a more Scottish. <laughs> it's a more of a Scottish, you know, Christmas here. Do check out our Patreon channel. But also, the one that I can't pronounce is our. <laughs> that's our Twitter. That's our Twitter. Right, the thing that was formerly Twitter and is X. And I can remember that it's L E G W R E obsession something 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 something. <laughs> That's it. At that. Oh, at that. Yeah, yeah, at that. Yeah. So if you at that thing, <laughs> which is the unspeakable, <laughs> the unsayable, the tongue twistable, <laughs> then uh, you can, you know, I, I don't think we've been tweeted. We haven't had it yet. It's all still open, right? The tweets or no. Well, you- yeah, we've had, I've had a couple comments on some tweets, but most of the comments more come through the Facebook posts because those are part of actual organized like wrestling, you know, fan pages and stuff like that. So show come and share us at Facebook. And speak up and post, like our posts and listen to our show. And then throw us a few bucks over our Patreon as well. (laughs) Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to all our fans. Now I'm Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson, I'm just a... I have a special... Jeff, we can't afford this. We don't have budget for all these different guys. What are you doing? (laughs) I I clear the snow. I'm just a plowman. (laughs) All right. Happy New Year. Happy holidays. All that stuff. Yeah.